All right, I guess I'm the host. Yeah, why not? Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. Oh, that's what it's going to be. You're going to be hosting the show, huh? Just because it's your turn? That's right. All right. Fair I, enough. I, I insist uh, on it. I'm Ian Boothby. Fine. All right. We're playing by the rules. <laughs> you know, you used to be more of a rebel when I first met you. Yes, I was probably. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm just... But I never wanted to be a rebel. I always wanted to fit in. Did you? Truly. Okay. I just didn't. couldn't do it somehow. I couldn't figure it out. What made me different from everyone else? Mm-hmm. I remember you literally lighting your hair on fire. Well, that's... Twice. You know. <laughs> like, I can see that's that as, like, a once thing. That's just being a boy goofiness, you Is know? it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm going to throw do... this out there to uh, anyone out there who yeah. identifies as male. Yeah. Have you lit your head on, hair on fire? And I mean, like, on purpose. Sure. But, well, I mean, have you done things that are, like, risky or dumb? Yes. All okay. of us have done well, those Let things. me ask you a follow-up. We all bumper skied. We all played, had Roman candle battles. We all... Did no. things that were... Well, bumper skiing, yeah. Yeah. But I've never had a Roman candle battle, but uh, with a Tweedle Beetle battle, with a <laughs> puddle eating muddle with the fox and socks. Um, in a poodle, in a, with a poodle and a bad moodle. Did you see someone, because how Dave did it was, he pulled the front of his hair out and then he just lit it on. I don't know where he got a lighter. He didn't smoke. That's that's <laughs> the one part of the story that doesn't scan. It's twice he had a lighter with him. So either he planned to do this... Or he asked someone to borrow a lighter. Yeah, I borrowed their lighter. Okay, so... so I he, ha- or I had their lighter for some reason, and I just... Yeah, I was just provoked. tell them not to smoke. I was provoked. And to, then, uh, so he pulled the front of his hair out, and he lit it on fire, yeah. and then uh, frantically blew upwards to try and <laughs> blow his hair out. So, did you yeah. see someone do that before and went, that looks cool, I should try it, and then tried it in front of friends, <laughs> nope. or just spontaneously went, I'm going to light my hair on fire? Pretty much. Okay. Because here's here's how that works out for me is like these were days. Did you have product in your hair at the time? Did you put like mousse or gel or something in your hair? Probably not. I don't remember though. Okay, because it feels like it was the eighties. So probably, probably, yeah. I don't don't know. I put a picture of you up online. I used to uh, Uh, I used to put uh, fire retardant in my hair. That was the only way I could control it. Okay, that's that's smart. Yeah, I used to just, just rub case. asbestos on my scalp. Uh, I put a picture of you that I found of the two of us at uh, some sort of, it looked like Christmas situation yeah. in Richmond. And I, I would be shocked if you were not had some product in your hair because it was very curly. Mm. And, you my, know, well, my hair well is curly, but yeah, it's, yeah, when it gets long, it gets curly. Uh, okay, so, like, I would just be surprised that the product would not, poof, like, go up. That would mm. be thing one. Yeah. Two, best case scenario... Your hair that's on fire is going to like flop down in front of your uh, face and yeah. burn your forehead because it's on fire you, and it's now molten hair. None of those things happened. Right, but you didn't know that. Didn't and then the know, second time that. you did it, yeah. uh, I guess diminishing results because you didn't do it a third time that I was aware of. <laughs> do you do it a third time? I, so no, I did every year, once a year. It's once a year? No, it's that's right. I oh, it. so it was like your version candle. of Hanukkah. That's right. The seventh candle was was you. That's right. All right. How'd the oil last so long? Uh, we just used hair. On the end. Hair oil. Yeah. Anyway, that seems like kind of a. I guess it's. I guess it's the actions of someone who wanted attention and wanted to, you know, be liked. 
but also yeah. it seems like a rebellious thing to do. If someone said, you know, so-and-so from whatever punk band of the 80s, and then that guy was on stage and he lit his hair on fire, yeah. people were like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> well, rebellious. I mean, if so-and-so did that, it would probably be much more spectacular than what I did, which was merely light a couple of strands of hair on fire. Mm. Eve's, Eve's lighting her hair on fire was much more spectacular. Explain. Uh, well, we are at church at Christmas time, uh, which is the candlelit service, right. the evening service. And, and she, your religion is you're a new arsonist, right? <laughs> and she had um she just had a, she had a candle and she bent down to get something to or look at something, and her hair caught on fire. Yes, and it went up. And but she wisely just took her hand and she just rubbed it down her hair and and just extinguished it. In nice one, in one move, and it was. But it was an amazing thing to see. Uh, what it could have been terrible, but right was I, was there any holy water nearby? <laughs> there was. I guess in the worst case scenario, there was, I don't know if it was holy water, but there is the, we have a font that has water in it. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, the worst case scenario would be throwing wine on it. Mm, yeah. I don't, know if there, I don't know if the, if the amount of alcohol in wine would then <laughs> set ablaze. Maybe there's not enough. I'm sure there's enough. Wouldn't you, there be enough? You can set, I've never seen someone set wine on fire in cooking. Mm-mm. Oh. Have yeah. you? No, I never. I've had. added a lot of wine to things. I've never had that occur, but like other things have caught on fire, and it's always like you know, like a brandy or okay. something. Okay. Yeah, that maybe is more. Uh, sorry, I'm off mic. That was maybe more flammable than wine. Mm-hmm. But I don't. And also I don't inflammable. Know. I don't know. They're the same thing. <laughs> they're the same thing. It's, it's weird. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Mortal, is... immortal. Oh, okay. Are they the same thing? No, they're the opposites. Yeah. What the f- damn you, English? Yeah. No, you're right. It's, it is. It is weird, isn't it? Inflammable. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, it's partly English, partly French, probably. Yeah, that sounds. It's a holdover. Right. <laughs> the French want to see us burn because flammable would be French. Mm, yes. And then inflammable is probably like some old version of it that's kind of hung around. Everyone in my family right now, and by that I mean two people, uh, <laughs> are doing the uh, Duolingo French. Okay. They're like well into the thousand lesson. Okay. And yeah. how, how are they doing? They're reading. I'm frustrated. They're uh, <laughs> they they they're doing it every every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of racing each other a little bit. I think there's a bit of a challenge there between the two of them. Uh, but like, it's getting real complicated. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff you got to say out loud, mm. and then putting together these full sentences well, and all good. this business. Yeah, that's, that's good. I mean, I only ever learned it as as like to read. Like that's how I learned it. I didn't because I took French in school up to a certain point. I just did it by myself after that, and just used like I would just if I found a textbook. Um, at like say Valley Village or something, I would buy it, mm. and I would just go through it and just do all the exercises in it, which is fine in terms of like grammar, but in but in terms of speaking, like and you know comprehension, reading comprehension is great, but to speak it and to listen to it is those are that's different, much harder because you know when people speak, they don't speak in individual words, they string them all together in a sentence, and uh, you know it's like if you wrote. If you actually wrote out language the way we speak it, it would be impossible to read it. We'd like break it up into individual words. But we don't when we're speaking. It's all one big chain of sounds, which is fine if you can speak the language, you understand each word individually. But when someone's speaking to you in a different language, that you understand some of the words, but not all of them. And some of them, you don't know how they sound when they're pronounced. Yeah. And it's a, much harder. 
When you were uh, in school and uh, they had those books, like the one that I can think of right now is, you know, uh, That's How It Is Nowadays. I think that was like grade four reading reading comprehension book. Okay. Uh, there was one that was like uh, from grade one. I, I'll look it up at, at some point. Mm. Uh, that had a picture of a castle on it that was very surrealistic. And I, okay. this is my memory of that. Okay. Is I, is I, drew the, I drew the castle and I showed it to my parents. And uh, my father said, do you trace this? And I hadn't traced it. And I was upset. <laughs> That uh, he called me a liar, <laughs> so it's an upsetting book to me. But uh, but Memories. yeah, they would have this series of stories, like mm. just random stories that you would read. Yeah. When you got like, first of all, do you remember those types of books? I do do okay. remember them, and they were they were frustrating for a different reason. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you this, and then you can tell me why they're frustrating because I am curious. Uh, so when you got them, did you read the whole book? Because I did. Like I would immediately read every story in the book, okay. all the way through. And then when we go to school, and we're like, okay, we're going to be reading this today. Ugh, that again. <laughs> that old story. Well, that, that's the thing. But what happened was I, my teacher, I would do that, but then my teacher would t- use an elastic band, and she would actually like mark off with the elastic band. I mean, I could have taken the elastic band off the book. Right. But she would mark off and say, like, don't read past here, because she knew that I would just read all the book. And so she would, and I guess she was afraid to get bored, but I was frustrated because I was so... I could already read all that stuff, and it was just boring to me to like make it even longer and more and more of a grind, a grueling grind of having to, like, you know, take the elastic band off and then read a chapter and then wait. And because you know, it was just it was very frustrating as a kid. Like I was my reading comprehension was just because I liked I liked books so much mm-hmm. as a child. My reading comprehension was way ahead of other kids' reading comprehension. Now my math comprehension was not that way so <laughs> but is this in terms of reading you know like i was very advanced but it's frustrating when you're a kid because yeah it it's very boring having to learn stuff that you already know yes you know like i was already reading i was reading multi multi syllabic words multi syllable words i was reading um you know uh chapter books when kids were still reading picture books right and you know but the school acts like you're not there uh-huh you know yeah. they're 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 you know the school is is this you know and you can understand like it's you know there's 30 kids in a classroom you can't have like individual uh teaching for each kid it's pretty hard i mean but i do feel like it's frustrating anyway i i don't know if i don't know if anyone's figured it out how to how to make school more inclusive for people who are slower learners and people who are fast learners and people who are just right in the middle baby bear the per- perfect porridge I uh, mm. I got the title wrong. Uh, by the way, I just looked it up. Mm. How it is nowadays? How is it is nowadays? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember doing books like that at my elementary school. By the time I was in grade four, for instance, we were reading novels. Okay. We were reading novels, and um, like in class, we would get novels to read. But cause stupidly, in grade four, the teacher gave us a choice. Mm-hmm. Not that she was stupid. I was stupid because she gave us a choice. We could. Read a book on her own and do the questions on her own. Okay. Read a book on her own, do the questions with the teacher, or read the, have the teacher read the book to us and then do the questions <laughs> together. Okay. That was a choice. So right. I chose... I don't even know what to choose out of that right now. <laughs> I, as a lazy layabout, yeah. I chose teacher read, do the questions together. Such a mistake. So boring. Oh, what a, what a terrible choice. And I was just stuck. Aww. I was stuck for the next 13 chapters. Oh, no. The teacher reading the book and, you know, because... Like we were, it's kind of funny in grade four, I don't know what, I I don't, I wasn't part of it, but I was tangential, tangential to it, which was there was a group of girls in school who would 
plow, literally plow through the, the Enid Blyton books, which when we were kids seemed like the biggest books in the world because they were like really right. thick books. The Famous Five and Famous whatnot. I was going to go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With these kids with their mysterious electric torches. Do you remember those? In the book, like they're talking, they had flashlights, but they were called torches. Yes. Like electric torches. And, and I right. don't know. I imagine they're still called torches there. But, they are. But to differentiate them from actual torches, they were called electric torches at, at the time when Bina Blyton was writing in the 30s. Oh, all right. And in my mind, I would imagine the kids carrying a torch, but the top was electric. Oh, nice. So it's like an illuminated flame, you know, cool. at the top of this. That's this, way cooler. This, yeah, it is kind of cool. But it's not not right. But that's just the image I have. But anyway, it feels like the kind of thing that you would use to fight a lightsaber. Yeah, it's like I got a lightsaber. I got an electric torch. Oh, this is a good fight. Uh, let's see how that goes down. Yeah, yeah. So there were there were girls, and like they would like challenge each other, and they were, like the thing was to read like the whole book in a night. Okay, like to come the next day, and you've just finished off the famous five. Do something, and. Uh, I never, I, you know, like I say, I wasn't part of it. I just, they're in the same class as me. And, and I was also a good reader. So I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. But I'm going to do it with like the Hardy Boys. I'm going to read like a whole Hardy Boys book in one night, which I did. But I just had a huge headache. Headache, after. yeah. yeah it I was just like, oh, that was I did dumb. that with the Danny Dunn book once. And yeah. I was like, ow. And I still remember it. It's like, I think it was the Danny Dunn Under the Sea. And it was like at the end of the morning, oh, jeez. Yeah. Reading hurts. Yeah. Like, I think if you're forcing yourself to do it, like, it's, it's one thing to read a book where you're like so engrossed. Like, I remember, as a kid reading Clive Cussler's Raise the Titanic. I was in grade eight or something like that. Perfect age for this, those kind of pop, pop boilers. And, um, and I was just so engrossed in it. I just remember just like laying on my bed and reading it, just reading it, reading it, reading it. And then at a, at a certain point, I was just like, okay, I've had enough reading. I'm going to stop now. Yeah. You know, but if I had been like, <laughs> my, my decision was, I'm going to read until I you know, finish this book. Oh, that's just a, well, that's a headache waiting to happen. Danny Down on the Ocean Floor okay. was the one, yeah. I never read any Danny Dunn. Yeah, and then uh, the mor- in the morning time, I think it's a combination of two things. One, you're tired, yeah, so you got a regular headache. But also, <laughs> you've been reading all night and with strained eyes, yeah. probably in less light than you should, yeah, because you know you're in your bed- bedroom with your one lamp that's not really <laughs> yeah. made for all night reading. Yeah, I didn't read all night. I just read, you know, I read, I just read all like all evening, and uh, didn't watch TV or whatever. I just Beave it away at trying to finish this Hardy Boys book. I will. I will quickly uh, go through the fifteen Danny Dunn books. Okay, right sure, now sure. For you. Let's hear them. Uh, number one, Danny Dunn and the uh, Anti Gravity Paint. Uh, Danny. That's the Dun- first book. That's the first one. Wow, that's a big. Pretty start. good, right? Yeah, it's a good start. Yeah, he's a friend with a professor that's a mad scientist, so a lot of shit goes down that way. Um, that's good. Yeah. Danny Dunn on a desert island. Uh oh. Dan- this is the one that was the first one I read. All right. Danny Dunn and the Homework Machine. Okay. That one does sound familiar, actually. Yeah, that was probably one of the more popular ones. And the idea was they built a homework machine. Yeah. But in and so it was like, oh, you're cheating. But in building the homework machine, Mm -hmm. they had to enter all the information, so they ended up learning the information uh, to make the machine. So they actually ended up doing their homework and made it more work for themselves than uh, it would have been just to do their homework. (laughs) So there was that. Uh, Next one: Danny Dunn and the Weather Machine. Danny Dunn on the ocean floor. Okay. Danny Dunn and the fossil cave. Danny yeah. Dunn and the heat ray. Danny Dunn time traveler. Okay. No. Danny Dunn and the automatic house. <laughs> Danny Dunn and the voice from space. Danny Dunn and the smallifying machine. Danny Dunn and the swamp monster. Danny Dunn invisible boy. Danny Dunn scientific detective. And finally, Danny Dunn and the universal glue. Were they all written by the same person? This is a good question. Just curious. 
yes, they were written by uh, Raymond Abrashin mm. and uh, and uh, Jay Williams. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, he was uh, he was friends with a uh, professor. Uh, he was uh, friends with a, a kid who uh, was a poet and would always do a poem at the end of the book about the adventure they had. And starting with the homework machine, Irene, she was a girl. Uh, she <laughs> would uh, she was uh, interested in physics and she mm. was also smart as a whip. And so uh, she became part of the team. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, with uh, the Hardy Boys, although it said it was written by Franklin W. Dixon, they weren't. No. They weren't. Uh, they were actually written by a Canadian guy. Wrote a lot of the early, the original Hardy Boy books, which. Uh, uh, ask me what my favorite Hardy Boy book is. What is your favorite Hardy Boy book? Uh, the one with the smugglers. Smugglers Cove. No, it's just because they're all smugglers. Is it's that pretty, a common it's, thing? It's, it's a pretty that. common thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much like with the, with the, the Hardy Boys. It's almost always smugglers. I guess it makes sense. It's pretty hard. To, like he kind of murders and stuff like that. When yeah. So it has to be smugglers. Kids, so what are you going to do? Yeah, it's thieves yeah. somehow, like hiding yeah. their treasure, yeah. or it's smugglers. It's or some variation on that. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, you can't have murderers. Yeah, yeah, they're hunting down the serial killer. <laughs> yeah, they're I'm trying to down think the of the Unabomber. I mean, like I read those books growing up. I read like The Great Brain. I didn't read Encyclopedia Brown. I read a couple of books by about a character named Elvin Ferneld. I think it was called like Super Weasel or something like that. Okay, he was sort of a kid inventor and also a brat. Yeah. Encyclopedia Brown was very short stories. They were all like about three pages long. Oh, really? Oh, so yeah. they're just like kind of those... Just a collection of that, mm. yeah. There was a... Sometimes you'd have a, a theme that would run through them, but for the most part, they were just short stories. Like two-minute mysteries sort of idea. Yeah, and it's like, do you know why Bugs Meanie was lying? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you want to say, because he's lied 50 fucking times before. Why even taking this guy's, like, <laughs> you know, uh, opinion at all? Like, why isn't he in jail, literally? I know he's a child, but sweet shit, he's committed so many crimes. Quit looking the other way and pampering this kid. Huh. That makes me think of the kid detective. That's what it was based on. Yeah, it's like I think so. Brown, it, for sure. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Funny. Um, Which is a very good film and well worth watching. Yes, it's an excellent yeah. movie. And then... Um, there was, uh, well, reading, reading Trixie Belden into the girls, like I've never read Nancy Drew, but I, reading Trixie Belden into the girls, once again, you're kind of limited what you can do in terms of mysteries, you know, but I don't think they had like a smuggler one that I remember. There was one with like a person pretending to be a relative of one of the kids. Mm-hmm. Like they just showed up and they're like, I'm your Uncle Jack or whatever. And then they weren't Uncle Jack. They were a fake. <laughs> and Trixie discovered it. But... And like trying to figure it out, she gets trapped in a motorhome that he's driving, mm. and then he drives off, and she's in the motorhome. It was actually quite, it was actually quite suspenseful. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you feel more suspenseful because your daughter's beside you as you're reading it. It's, it's getting very, it's very wrapped up in it, and it's, you know, and it's like uh, you know, childhood peril. You know, yeah. It's nothing that kids can watch. Like adults get murdered left and right, and they don't care at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. But as soon as you have kids in danger, and I think about that Buffy episode with the kids in the hospital and that kind of monstrous oh, creature Jesus, would come yeah the girls did not like that episode at all because that was kids in peril yeah it was also legitimately terrifying <laughs> it was I, a I, pretty I, scary this, monster this guy, this, yeah this monster gets over your bed and like things come out of his eyes and yeah. he sucks out your life force and like good god yeah it was pretty creepy yeah but also who kid, cares about vampires when this peril. shit like ignore the vampires buffy find more of these fuckers and like kill them this this should be your full time job. <laughs> yeah, it's it is scary, and um, yeah, I just remember the girls really not liking that one. The other the other shows they just kind of watch, 
They may be a little frightened or whatever, but they didn't seem to be too overly concerned about what happened to teenagers and adults. But uh, yeah. Yeah. As a kid, I remember like, because people were always getting shot. Mm. And so they either got shot where it was like, oh, in the chest and like immediately <laughs> fall down. That's fine. Yeah. Or, oh, and just get it right in the arm. Mm. And then they'd be fine. Like the next scene, they'd yeah, just yeah. be holding their arm a little bit. Yeah, sure, sure. And maybe a nice lady would dab it with some iodine <laughs> and the super tough guy who could take a bullet to the arm and go, oh. Yeah. You know, with like the iodine to be <laughs> like the one thing they can't they can't take that iodine. <laughs> it is a it is a sharp sharp feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's bad. It is. I'm looking at the kid detective. It was inspired by the Encyclopedia Brown book series. Mm. That is what the the uh, creator Evan uh Morgan says. Huh. Starring Adam Brody. Yeah. Good for Adam Brody. Good for him. Very good in that role. And I have an affection for Adam Brody since I consider him part of the Wit Stillman. Uh, ensemble. What is he? What is he in? Uh, what's he what? is in Damsels in Distress. He plays the uh, wood sort of uh, Airstats boyfriend, the would be boyfriend of Greta Gerwig's character. Okay, he's a liar, which is funny. And then he was in uh, the pilot for the uh, the Cosmopolitans, which still oh, means which Am- didn't Amazon. end up getting made. Yeah, yeah. Boo. Although apparently he's been working on a script for a series or a script series of scripts for the show that's slightly different than what. The Cosmopolitans was, but um, yeah. He's also, uh, ca- well, he's the character formerly known as Captain Marvel Jr. in the Shazam mm. uh, yeah. movies, yeah. Uh, which is weird because I was just looking up how old he is and he's 43. That seems a bit old for uh, Captain Marvel Jr. Yeah. Like for Captain Marvel's, <laughs> you know, teen, yeah. teen pal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess they are already teens, so it'd be weird to have him turn into a teen. But that's what Captain Marvel Jr. does. I, I, I get it. But I'm just talking about, I think, to the movie people, they're like, oh, that's kind of odd. Okay. Why? He's already a teen. Why is he a teen again? Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I think in terms of, like, the wish fulfillment. The all turn older? Yeah. Yeah, the wish fulfillment of Shazam in, in their minds, I guess, is the idea that you're a kid who becomes an adult, and then you you can be an adult, you know? Yeah, and the weird thing also about that movie is, uh, you're like, what's his character name? Uh, there's no, none of them have one. No. None's, none's got no character name. Well, because I guess it could only be Shazam Jr. or something like that, because the Captain Marvel name they can't use. Yeah, so it's not named. So they're kind of they're kind of limited. Yeah, so all these characters that are there, mm. they're just like, hey, you want to buy the action figure? Sure, it's my favorite character. Mm, <laughs> doesn't have a name yet. We're two movies deep, man. <laughs> name them. Something just like you gotta you gotta have an alternative. There's no bad ideas at this point. (laughs) Johnny Lightning, anything doesn't matter. Lightning Lad, yeah, Lightning. Well, you know what? Yeah, you own the rights to Lightning Lad. Mm. You own the rights to Johnny Thunder. Use either of those. It's fine. Go go for it. But there's uh, more than one character with that name. Like a lot of characters. (laughs) You got a Flash movie coming up. It's got at least two Batman in it. Who cares? No one cares. It's fine. We're fine. But that's not counting the the, the Batman that's got his own movie series now. There's three. You got three Batman. But four. Because the Joker movie has a Batman guy in it. Four. You got four Batman. So it's fine. You're fine. Does the new Joker movie have a Batman character in it? Well, in the the first Joker movie had Bruce Wayne. Has the kid in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Soon to be Batman. The young... The young Sunday Batman. Right, which once again goes with the idea that Batman just beats up old men. Because uh, clearly when he's fighting the Joker in 15 years, uh, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be kind of older. You've got to start where, you know, you can't just jump right into the deep end. Yeah, let me take a look here. Start beating up 
What's the, what's the name of the uh, the fella again? Who's Joaquin the, Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Okay. So uh, how old is Joaquin Phoenix? Well, he must be in his forties at this point. And... Yeah, he's got to be. So all right. So we're gonna look up Joaquin. Uh, maybe even older than. No, maybe I don't know. Okay, we're gonna look at Wa- Joaquin Phoenix. He's forty-eight. Forty-eight. Okay. Oh, it means he'd be sixty-three. So when Batman <laughs> starts to fight the Joker, yeah. When Batman in starts that, up in, in, that in his prime of life, in that at his top strength, yeah. uh, 63-year-old Joker <laughs> is going to be there with basically sure. no training. But is that any different than Michael Keaton versus uh, Jack Nicholson in, in Tim Burton's Batman? Like a, mm. Jack Nicholson was no spring chicken when they hey, made man, that movie. Uh, Adam West fighting Burgess Meredith to me was always like, <laughs> how is this a fight? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Burgess Meredith. Yeah, but I mean, I think part of the thing about the original, like that series, was there's a lot of henchmen running around. Sure. And the penguin is, but never muscly guys. Always, no, muscly? always. Well, they're always they're like uh, kind of chubby, meaty guys at a bar that <laughs> sure, had a couple sure. too many drinks. Yeah, but those are like brawlers, you know. As long as they're wearing striped shirts, it's okay. Yeah, they had striped shirts. Yeah, that yeah. Then you know that they can fight. If they were just wearing plain white shirts, then you know, oh, oh, oh these guys are in trouble. I wonder how often they reused the dudes. Who played the henchmen? Yeah. Because you would think yeah. like every week, you know, you got to get in a mm. new stuntman, a new one every time, Yeah, you know, to go in there and, ju- and dress up as a cat now. And it's like, <laughs> who's going to know? Yeah, really, because they wear masks. Because your name is Punch and Line. You're with the Joker. <laughs> your name is Puss and Boots. And you're, you know, there we go. You're with Catwoman. Yeah. Yeah. Who would know? Yeah, you know, so just go. That's true. You got no lines for the most part. On the other unless hand, unless you're like, a, "Duh, Mr. Penguin, what are we doing?" There's a lot of stuntmen in in Hollywood. You have a pretty unlimited. That's a lot of stuntmen. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you have a lot of choice. Okay, fair enough. Here's here's spread, uh, spread the wealth. Here's what I would do uh, if I was say uh, the Joker in the um, in Adam West Batman. Okay, it's just like, hey, you know how uh, we because uh, often would you actually, shave your mustache. No, no, because uh, it's crazy to have a mustache, and so it works. <laughs> Um, but okay, so yeah. they've uh, sometimes the goons, yeah, through uh, an error, something happens, like something explodes, and they beat Batman, and then they tie them to a thing, and yes. they try to kill him. Um, Elaborately, yeah. Uh, but even when it's uh, you know the best case scenario for Batman, he barely beats the two goons. Mm. Here's my idea: Th- third goon. <laughs> really? That's really that's that's tr- true. Like. Yeah, this like is, just pop for one more fucking goon. Is, well, that was a problem. Like, and 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 hey, man, yeah. four goons. Goons. Now, now it's fine. Limited goon supply. Right, and when Batgirl shows up, all of a sudden we got a third goon. Like what? Because she's got to fight someone too. Oh yeah. Uh, though it doesn't really. That no one, no one really fights Batgirl. She kind of hangs back and then like finds an opportunity and then like runs around one with a rope. <laughs> and then that's basically it, or maybe trips them with a the rope, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so there's not a lot of that, but that's where then when the third goon shows up, like you could, so you got access to it, you got a budget for the third goon. Yeah. Where are you spending your money on that big machine? That's your problem. Third goon. That's uh, that's what you got to do. I guess when Batgirl was fighting, they hadn't figured out like the the later like you know jump on guy's shoulders fighting style that right. all, all women fighters use now. Right. They had not done that. They yeah. figured out leverage. Because there was no thinking, leverage like, back then. They're just thinking like, well, wouldn't the guy just punch her and break her jaw? <laughs> like, just, you know, that's not good. So maybe we should just have her run around her with a rope. And then, but then later on, someone said, "Hey, what about if she jumps up and like scissors put her legs around his neck and then makes him fall over?" Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's pretty hot too. It well, it is pretty hot. Mm-hmm. And pretty you're good. like, since it's uh, the '60s, yeah, 
And you bat- Sorry, I'm having a piece of candy. So it's the 60s. Yeah. Why doesn't Batman just karate chop him on the shoulder? That knocks the guy right out. Oh, do you think? Boom, karate chop, out. <laughs> yeah, but wait a second. Max Smells Smart can do that. That's true. That was why 60s. can't uh, why can't Batman? Yeah, yeah. Well, don't want to steal someone else's move. Do you feel that like Bat? Okay, the Adam West Batman days. Do you feel like none of the characters in that ever did any training? Like, as in the characters, not the actors. Okay. Clearly, the actors didn't did some tra- sit-ups and didn't did do any push- training at all. For didn't them. do yeah, like so the Joker becomes the Joker, and then he just hires two knuckleheads. To go, you know, yeah, but 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 her, who aren't fighters? He doesn't go and hire ninjas. Yeah, he just you know you and you oh what and yeah you, you guys fight and you think like in the oldie in, in all the old stories like Batman did all this training and like learned how to be a ninja. I think the Adam West Batman just went. I'm just gonna put on a suit, see did, how it goes. Did Batman in the a, early, in the truly thing. early ones learn to become a ninja? Truly, tru- well. What are we talking uh, the, about? The, for the first early thing, time? the first thing that we see is is a montage. So it's uh, it's it's him, you know, going with his parents being killed, and then him sitting in you know the the mansion, just going, the criminals are a cowardly, superstitious lot. I've got to do something. <laughs> and then a bat flies through the window. I was like, that's it. I'll be a bat. Good idea, Batman. Wait, I'm Batman. No, he goes. That's what I'll do. And then the next thing you see, he's like studying science. And he's lifting a weight over his head. Yeah. And he's, you know, doing other stuff. And Dude, it's a montage. Following the Charles Atlas. Yeah. So yeah. you assume that he got some training in there. Mm. And then he becomes Batman. After training. Like yeah, he yeah. learned how to lift the weight over his head. Sure. And then... And then Seems he be- pretty limited, though. Right. Whereas I think the Adam West Batman yeah. just went, eh, putting a suit on. <laughs> well, you got a bit of a gut on you. Eh, he's got a mustache. No one gives a shit. Let's just go. And then he went out. And I don't feel like Robin got any training either. He no. was... You know, he was like a trapeze guy. In the story, he's a, like he's a gymnast, so he does have some. Yeah, he can do. Though he never does any, you know, uh, trapeze work. Even though he's a circus trapeze guy, you would think like. You know, I, I think it's limited. A, how many trapeze are around mm. in life? Yeah, like, I don't know if you've ever noticed. He does swing on chandeliers any, a bit. Any trapeze? Yeah, and even that is pretty unrealistic because he most likely just pull it out of the roof or out of the ceiling. I should say. Yeah, you're not wrong, but. Even if you're not like doing actual trapeze stuff, if you were an athlete, then you have like a good set of like you know instincts for mm-hmm. for vaulting and and tumbling. And yeah, all he's that not sort a bad stuff. tumbler. Yeah, but there's uh, being a trapeze artist. Uh, there's no reason you would know how to throw a punch. So I feel like no, in, but in, you have muscles. You got muscles. They're yeah. attached to your arm. If you can if you can hold your yourself like in the air from a trapeze for an extended right. period of time and do swinging and stuff like that. You got some. You got some muscle in your arms. Okay, all right. I just feel I, like I feel like he's better prepared than Batman is. Yeah, I don't think I. I don't think he's ready for a fight with goons. But uh, so so whenever they have the goon fight, it's just random big swings, and there's no strategy to it. Yeah, and it's and and Batman's never like you go left, I'll go right. You go high, I'll go low. <laughs> it's just like good luck, everybody. Yeah. They don't, start, do patty, they don't do patty cake. Together. Yeah, no. They do and start swinging wildly. And the penguin stands in the background going, meh, 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 next to the pretty lady. <laughs> who's just, can I have some money, penguin? And it's like, nah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. buy yourself something fishy. And like, or whatever the penguin says. <laughs> I like he has instructions. <laughs> this money is, the money does not come without strings attached. Mm-hmm. You must buy something fishy. You just can't go out and buy perfume. Right. Unless it's poisson. 
Oh, eau de poisson. Eau de poisson. Yeah, penguin had a lot of. Uh, I don't. I don't quite get how uh, they came. So they came up with. Okay, so he's a penguin. Ah, but so. he's not a penguin. Okay, but but he's the penguin. Yeah, calls himself the penguin. Sure. All right. So he's gonna wear uh, like a like a tuxedo. Yeah. Oh, all right. That kind of makes sense because because sure, sure. penguins look like they're wearing a tuxedo. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna give him a top hat too. Oh, that's nice. Um, okay. And his thing is umbrellas. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. What do you mean? You know, like umbrellas, like penguins have. Well, there's nothing connecting a penguin and an umbrella. Yeah, he's obsessed with umbrellas, mm-hmm. and all his crimes are umbrella-themed. They're not, like, cold-themed oh, or really? arctic or, well, getting, you know, fish-related. Or... Yeah. No, no, you know, uh, But umbrellas. he's not actually a penguin. No, well, why, why the umbrella? What's that about? What's going on with that? Why does he love umbrellas so damn much? Yeah. What's that about? I guess they're handy. Mm. It's a good visual aid. Yeah, and it just reminds me of like that Warner Brothers cartoon where you have that little penguin who's lost. Mm-hmm. The Bugs Bunny's got to help, and he's got a little umbrella too. What the fuck is that? What's with pe- well, penguins and get umbrellas? The sun off your head. Oh, okay, because you get a sunburn because yeah. you got sensitive skin. You're, well, yeah, you're used to being in the Ar- or the Antarctic. Sure. Suddenly you throw throw it to the bright sunlight. You're not going to be happy. Okay. I don't imagine penguin. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I just, but I think the point about the penguin isn't that he is. He's not a penguin. Like. He, I mean, he's I know wearing in, a suit. I know in the Batman Returns version, he is almost like a penguin. Okay. But in the original idea of the penguin is that he's just a criminal mm-hmm. who dresses up like, he dresses in a way that reminds people of a penguin, and he also goes, wah, wah, wah. Right. And in the new version, it's because he walks sort of like a penguin, and people used to make fun of him as oh, a kid. is that right? Yeah, but I don't, oh, think, he, I don't think he uses umbrellas. Because he has to have childhood trauma attached to it now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because we've got to make a prequel movie. So we've got to do that. <laughs> they are doing a spin-off penguin film. You've seen that, right? Probably every every time that um there's a new villain introduced in Batman, Chester Gould went, damn. Wish mm. I thought of that. And sometimes he did. Do you think they took ones that he did already? Two face half half. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's the same same thing, I would say. Mm. Mm. To me, Two Face is a better name. Yeah, the other one sounds like it's some dairy product. <laughs> like coffee creamer? Yeah, and I'm not sure what came first, Two Face or Half and Half, but yeah, yeah, there's yeah. probably some similarities. Half and Half. Yeah, that's an odd. I don't like it. It sounds like, like you're, it does sound like you're ordering coffee. I think that is a coffee order, isn't it? Yeah. Half and Half. He should just attack uh, like uh, coffee shops. Just like, <laughs> give me all your money and all your Half and Half. What is it again? You What's can, your name? Half and Half. You could have a nickname, but people, like if, you call, if your name's Scooter... I don't think that requires you to only ride around on a scooter. Like, I think you're still allowed to drive a car. Like, even though you're... Nick- yeah. People shouldn't be going like, what are you driving a car for? Because I have a car. Isn't your nickname Scooter? Yeah, but that doesn't mean I'm locked yeah, into a good point. scooters. Locked into it, yeah. They should have, like, a guy who's got, like, a real flat top. And uh, and is like, hey, what's your name? Uh, my name is Snake. <laughs> like, what? Shouldn't you be, like, flat top? Hey, fuck you. <laughs> I have a snake. I have a snake tattoo. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like you with Lion King, where you got the character called Scar, mm. and you're like, what'd you call him before he got this Scar? His what name was, was Scar. His it's name. A terrible irony. Oh, his name. He was born like a baby. Yeah. And they went like, uh, let's call him Scar. Let's call him Scar. And then later on, he got a scar. Yeah. Mm. Maybe maybe okay. I could see this scenario. Yeah. Where like all his life, people are like, why are you called Scar? And it's just like, I don't want to get into the story. And uh, and so finally, he just like gives himself a scar. Yeah. Just going, oh, he's called Scar because of the scar. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't ask because it's rude. And it was the only thing he could do to get everyone off his back. Yeah, probably. Well, it's kind of like me. Like I'm David. 
Yeah. You know, just one time accidentally I collected 200 foreskins in a bag. Mm -hmm. And that's not because I'm David. It's just, you know, it's not why I'm called David. It's right. just happened to be terrible irony. That's what happened in the Bible. It's just an irony. Yeah, foreskinned is forewarned, yeah. <laughs> it's an ironical thing that happened. So, yeah. My parents didn't suddenly go, oh, he's got 200 foreskins in a bag. Let's call him David. I was already David. What you don't know is the bag was made out of another bunch of foreskins. <laughs> I had 201 foreskins. <laughs> I didn't know it. Ah, Shit. That's the trick. Because they had that thing that they did where yeah. you had to guess the amount of foreskins. Mm -hmm. And if so, you, you won like... <laughs> what? Was you, it on display? You won a foreskin protector. Did they do the trick where they just, they just pasted the, the foreskins around the outside of the No, jar? the trick was mm. that you didn't realize that the, uh, the bag was also a foreskin. Okay. So that's how they got people. And then, yeah, if you won it, you got a foreskin protector. And oh. it was just something you wore around your foreskin so yeah. no one could like, yeah. take your foreskin. May the, foresk back then, may the foreskin be with you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the only thing that could attack it was like an electric torch. <laughs> Ooh, I can picture one. Mm -hmm. oh, what a great story. Huh? I remember there was a guy who uh, worked, was like one of the ma major guys behind Doctor Who, the, the modern version of Doctor Who. Okay. Who was uh, one of the famous five in the TV series. Hmm. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, when as a kid, I finally saw a famous five TV show. Right. We are the famous five. And they were just carrying, a, they were just carrying flashlights. Oh. And I was like, what the hell? I thought... Enid Blyton lied to me. No, I've got to. Now I've got to see. Uh, I got to see what who 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 was what the famous who five. was who and who what was what. Are you sure it was famous five or was it the, the Tomorrow People? It, oh, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, let's see. Uh, Gary Russell. Yeah, Gary Russell is a producer on uh, Doctor Who, and uh, he was uh, he played uh, Dick Kieran <laughs> in the 1978 television series okay. The Famous Five. Okay. And so there's all these. We went to um, a Doctor Who convention. I see. And he was talking there and stuff. Yeah. We, and uh, one of the things was, but there's still people that just come up to me and just like, oh. I was like, oh, it's the Doctor Who thing. No, no. <laughs> no, no I don't give, we don't give two dams about that. Yeah, yeah. You're one of the famous five. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Please call me Richard. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Call me Richard Five. <laughs> I'm sure if I read those stories now, I'd be horrified at them. But at the time as a kid, they were the cat's pajamas. Even books that you think you'd uh, be safe with, like like Encyclopedia Brown. Mm. I, I read the reissue of the Encyclopedia Brown stories. It came out, I don't know, 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. And like every one of the stories has something in it that you're just like, whoa, <laughs> not at all anymore. <laughs> not not even close. Jeez. There's a, a Hardy Boys book called, I think it's called Footsteps at the Window. And even as a kid, I was shocked at the, the this, they had Chinese characters in it. Mm -hmm. You speak in the most offensive pigeon English of all that you've ever read on pa paper. Just the whole, you know, like, me, you know, just the, I don't want to talk like it, but you know what I mean? Like, and as a kid, you know, well, one thing, you're like battling through it because you're trying to like phonetically read this attempt to portray this uh, strange way of talking. <laughs> and uh, so that's a, that's a piece of work. But then also you're like, this is really... <laughs> I don't think I didn't wouldn't have thought of it as racist at the time, but because I didn't even know a Chinese person as a kid, there's no I, we had no Chinese people that lived anywhere around us when I was growing up. It wasn't until I what's that? That's odd. Yeah, yeah. Our school was absolutely 100 percent white kids. Wow. Yeah. Okay. In, in Coquitlam. Yeah. Different there now, but at that time, it wasn't until I was in uh, junior high school that there was a Chinese kid. Wow. There was one Chinese kid in our school at Burnsview. 
There was one Chinese kid in Burnsview. Yeah. yeah. How is that possible? I know. It's a different time. It's, yeah, it's, okay. It's so strange. <laughs> it's so strange. That is so strange. But it's not Vancouver. Like, you know, it depends where you lived, obviously. But so, you know, if we lived in... So no one lived in the suburbs? Like... No, it wasn't a desirable place to live for... Like, I remember... Okay, now here's here's my thing, which is my... Ugh, is like, for two years, you know, my Halloween costume was a Chinese person. <laughs> yeah. But I do distinctly remember that there was families, mm. you know, that was like, huh? And they seemed to take it all in stride and retroactively. I'm looking at it just like, <laughs> ah, is this weird to you? Because it should be. This is very strange that I'm... You're my costume. Um, yeah. Ugh, it's, uh, it's so weird. There's, uh, a, there's a video... It came out a few years ago, but it's doing the rounds again of this woman singing a song about wanting to be a ninja. And it's like, it's like two years old. Mm-hmm. And so someone should know this, know better than this, but she's performing this song complete with like accent uh-huh. and terrible, mm-hmm. <laughs> terrible, like the most horrible lyrics. Like, so just the stereotypes are just f- flying every which way. And of course, all the people, all the, you know, the kind of, um, I don't know how to describe them. Sort of like soccer moms who are watching her perform. Like it's like some sort of like sure. opening of her store, and she's doing this song. And there's all these like obviously friends in the audience. All they're all blonde-haired women, you know, with their with their husbands, and they're all kind of you know older, maybe like like early forties or whatever, like that kind of age. But they're all you know recording on their phones and smiling and stuff like that. And then there's this one on the right hand side. There's this single Asian woman just standing there. Totally deadpan. <laughs> just like, what is she thinking? Like, just like, she's thinking again, again. Yeah, this isn't my haven't first we, time. This isn't my last. We, isn't this? Isn't yeah, this you're looking at your watch to see when the calendar it's is. Twenty twenty now. Shouldn't yeah. we be? I've got past all this nonsense. It's interesting. Sometimes I, I will forgive people for the past. Yeah, for this because you know it was just the times. People didn't. People weren't aware. You know, some, how, how some past, people were sensitive. How past are we talking? Some people were sensitive to it. Other people weren't. But what's your forgiveness date? Two thousands. Okay, I'll go that far. Okay, nineties are fine. I mean, well, yeah, I think uh, I still think of the nineties. People just didn't even think about it. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like, and it's weird because like like John Steinbeck when he wrote Tortilla Flats, which is about Hispanic people living in, in like in uh, is the Monterey area of California, his his chosen area to write about. And I mean, he wrote this book entirely uh, with good motives. You know, it wasn't it wasn't exploitative or it's not mocking them in any way. But actually, at the time, and this is the 1930s, he was criticized for writing as a white person writing about uh, a Chicano, okay, uh, you know, Chicano people, like you know, try you know, because what do you know about it, basically? And he actually apologized for it at the time. Like he said, you know, my motives were sure. You know, I wasn't trying to be insulting or anything, but I understand that people would be. And I, you know, I think it was a misstep. I need to apologize for doing that. Um, but yeah, I don't think that was a very common, a commonly listened to criticism. You know, and I think someone like Steinbeck, who was very much part of leftist circles, I can see how that kind of criticism would have been, you know, spoken and listened to. Yeah. But I think outside of that, there was very little avenue for that kind of criticism. It's, it's weird time. to me thinking like, uh, you know, for all my, you know, I've got kind of a spotty history with stand-up. Um, but looking back for the most part, I don't go like the only reason I go, oof, at some of my jokes is because of the jokes, but like <laughs> the top, the topics for the most part of the jokes, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. But like mm. the comics that like 
destroyed. Yeah. Absolutely fucking destroyed. Mm. Almost all of their closers now would just be like, mm. whoa! And, like, there's this one guy who I started off with, like, and, you know, was one of the most successful guys and so... And, uh... You know his 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 end bit for so long into the two thousands, yeah. like deep into the two thousands. Was it a Chinese driver? Was a Chinese uh, or generic? I won't even say Chinese. Yeah. Was a generically Asian uh, corner shop owner. Okay, uh, who was doing a rap about uh, you oh. know the people who come into his store yeah. and whatnot. And it's like, uh, whoa! And like as as things progressed, <laughs> he would have to preface it. Yeah, preface it. By saying, uh, this is based on a real person. Like, I don't think this is helping your cause. I was like, and I told him about it. I don't think you should have. And it's like, he said it was okay. Did you, did he? Does he think that makes it okay that he said it was okay? And I was like, all right. And then another person would do, uh, like, this is well into the uh, 2010s. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Would do like a, a whole, like a famous movie. Uh, done with a thick Chinese accent. It was Chinese, whatever this famous movie yeah. was. That I'm not going to say because that would out who the person is. Mm. And it was like, yeah, the whole thing was the, the voice sounds funny. Yeah. Like, and again, this person was just killing and destroying. Yeah. And it's weird looking back and just going, well, okay, at least I, I don't have. That's one thing that I you could probably look up my own material and I wouldn't like be like. Woof. Uh, about that, even though you know I was having a rough time sometimes with it, with it, with the stuff. Yeah. Like wow, it's so weird thinking like just so recently it was <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. So recently and it was okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, we always bring up SCTV, but Dave Thomas's uh, Chinese character. Yeah. You know, like that's not gonna fly now. Though the basis of it wasn't. Yeah. When you look at the root of it, it's. It's not. In, I mean, it's not insulting or demeaning portrayal. Right. But it it's just not. It's not going to work now. Like. Right. You just can't do that now. So, it's not. It wasn't mean spirited. It's not insulting to Chinese Asian people at all. But you know, you are still like getting laughs using an accent. You know. Well, they had the. Uh, and again, this is <laughs> this is two two white guys talking about this shit. <laughs> but like when they had that. Um, Who else should talk about it? Uh, yeah, it's a podcast, so this is what you're going to get. Um, uh, when they had the uh, the problem with Apu or the uh, the documentary, mm. the kind of big theme that came through it was you know because the argument you know that it's not a, a offensive thing or uh, was uh, was that you know uh, you know it's a well rounded character it's all these things and it's like mm-hmm. yeah, fair enough over time it became the well rounded yeah, character yeah, yeah. at the start of it even Matt Groening was like don't do this make sure it's not this <laughs> and then uh, Hank Azaria came up with his voice. Like that's funny. Let's do that, mm. and they went with it, and it's like, ooh, it just and, yeah. But the so so the argument for it was well-rounded character, very funny character. He's actually kind of a positive role model. But the the the, the thing against it was he was the only South Asian character on television was done by a white guy. Yeah, and it's like that's no good. <laughs> you can't have the only South Asian actor be Peter Sellers. Mm. You know, mm. you can't have that be the case. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's a fair point. And then by that point, there was like another one on uh, another person on, that, that actually was South Asian on The Big Bang Theory. But like still, that's not enough at all. And that's nothing. So, yeah, that, that got changed. Yeah. 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 Anyway, <laughs> it is weird thinking like how recently everyone was like, hmm. and hell, maybe they're still doing those bits. Maybe mm. they're still doing the bits, you know, up north or someplace that no yeah. one's recording stuff on their phones. I don't know. 
Yes. I'm going to have more candy. No one, no one there has a phone in the north. Yeah. Well, they have better things to do with their phones. Yeah. Their phones are about survival. The, the phone's about Wordle and survival. <laughs> oh, Wordle. Don't, thanks for reminding me. i got to get that done today. Okay, please do. Please do your Wordle. My phone, I don't know if my phone is dying on me, but my phone is dying. Oh, no. <laughs> this is one of those... It that happens every once in a while. Like, my phone is older. Like, it's been out of... Uh, I've been off contract for a couple of years now. So I've, you know, I paid off my phone with, and so now I'm just like, you know, just paying for my let, data. Let me say this, by the way. Yeah. You got a lot of sympathy last week with your dog passing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't try and do it with your phone. <laughs> Don't try and revisit that <laughs> with your phone. Shoot. I was hoping for more readings. <laughs> okay. It's a sweeps week. Uh, but, but now it's starting to like, it's starting to, you know, it didn't charge last night. Like I put it on to charge and then it just... It didn't bother. You just said no thanks. <laughs> no thanks to electricity. Okay. And, then and that, you've checked for lint. Well, yeah. It's it's the things are very loose now. I don't know if maybe the charging part of it is kind of starting. Do, to do you ever go in there with like a like a needle and like clean out the lint? No. Yeah, you go. Oh. The, the the little hole in the bottom there. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually what makes it not charge. Hmm. Maybe I'll give that I've, a try. I've I've gone in twice to get my phone repaired, and both times they just like took a bunch of lint out and like try it now. Yep. Okay. Done. Huh. And you feel like a bit of a dum dum, but you also feel good because you didn't have to pay nothing. <laughs> that is good. So that is my advice. If you don't, if you're, yeah. you know, yeah, maybe I will. Yeah, because it's still a really good phone. Like I, there's no reason to to get a new one other than vanity, which is very, very. I'm I'm very susceptible to that, but uh, you know, it's been good so far. So far, so good, I should say. But I think at some point with a phone, they stop doing updates. Mm. So you you don't get all the new, newest security updates and stuff like that. Okay. So eventually your phone, no matter what, how good it is, eventually it becomes obsolete. And it's just, just uh, you know, it's good for Wordle. That's about it. I'm just fine, I guess. What else do I need it for? But yeah. Come on, phone. Hold hold in there a bit longer. Good luck. Good luck, uh, Come phone. Come on, phone. Because I want to be able to get a newer phone like it, but also not so new that it's expensive. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. Michael, come on, phone. I'm uh, doing a tidy up now because we're kind of prepping to start working on some new projects here. I'm going to keep running into like old computers, like little laptopy computers. <laughs> okay. I'm just like, why don't I know where all these computers are? Like that I'd forget where a computer is. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. This has a whole bunch of stuff on it. It's a computer. It functions. <laughs> but, you know, it just it just was like, man, it's day. It's done. Yeah. You know, I've got to do more stuff on and it won't do it. So mm. I got to move on to another computer. That's yeah. so strange to me. Yeah. It's just like, huh? I just throw mine away. So it's weird that you have them mm-hmm. sitting around. Do you throw them away or do you like donate them somewhere or do you just chuck them? I, well, I mean, I take them to recycling. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't just throw them in the garbage, but yeah. I take it to recycling, and I don't know what happens after that. You don't just huck them out the window like uh, like it's speeding <laughs> of a CTV at people. Yeah, the kids outside. Get out of here and take this laptop with you. That's right. <laughs> you just put it in the woods with all the old pornography. That's a good yeah. idea, actually. Yeah, I just just load it up with a bunch of porn and then put it in the woods. Yeah, kids got to figure it out somehow. That's again, like those of you that uh, grew up later than we did. Um, you know, Adrian Brody age. Um, don't remember that that's where you found pornography was in the woods. Which, one, feels like a trap. That feels like that's how they get you. Is like you go into the woods looking for porn. Yeah. And then you pick it up and then a net cut gets you. <laughs> and so For me, on, it was so totally forth. accidental. It, it, it's, I didn't go looking for it. Or at it. least it seems like it. It seems accidental. We weren't looking for it. We just came up. Lots of accidents. In our, in our 
when we were just roaming through the woods sure. one time, we came upon a, a bunch of... We uh, came upon porn. a midnight. But being a weirdo, the thing that I thought most was, was most interesting was a naked pictorial of David Carradine and Barbara Hershey in Boxcar Bertha, the Martin Scorsese oh, film. Okay. I didn't know that it was a Martin Scorsese film at that time. I just remember it was called Boxcar Bertha, which right. sticks in your mind, even as a little kid. And then there are actors, you know, posing nude uh, yeah. around a boxcar <laughs> thematic. Um, this seemed so strange yeah. to me as a child. I just thought it was very odd. Because in some ways... You discover porn, and it is sort of interesting, but at the same time, it's also meaningless. Yeah, what's strange is, like, I, again, I remember, like, there was, like, a comedian that I like, uh, who was there with, like, a couple of naked ladies in one one magazine, mm. and it was like, but I know this comedian. Yeah. Com- people that are famous aren't in pornography. That's a different thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They can't cross over. Very strange. I didn't think, I don't even think I knew what porn was, like, as a kid. No, that's like, the thing. You, you don't. It's confusing. This is, but, this uh, is pre-pubescent, so I really... I'm just you know. surprised there were there wasn't more because like so many people I know found porn in the woods yeah. that it was like that wasn't like a legend of just like the the porn yeah. fairy or something well, you just like you couldn't keep it at home because your mum would find it. Oh, so you got to hide under a You'd rock. You'd hide it out something. in the woods. And because, you know, if you just put it somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, you might lose the top issue. Like the top magazine might get destroyed by right. the rain and stuff, but the other ones will be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, for a while. And the porn was called the top issue. That was the name of it. That was the name. Of it. Yeah, and so yeah, I just I just think it was like teenagers, you know, who, who I didn't know any teenagers besides babysitters. They would, you know, rather than risk getting in trouble at home, would just hide yeah. it in the woods. There was people who would hide porn in trees. Because I was, as a as a teenager, I would have loved to have found one of those one of those stashes, and I never I never did. Yeah. It was it only means, as a little kid. That I'm just picturing now, meaningless. just like a squirrel that's going home, and it's just like, oh no. <laughs> Look at this. My wife's never going to believe this wasn't me. <laughs> Leaving this stuff around. And uh, yeah, that's like, that's, you know, they're not going to believe it's not my magazine. And just like, uh, yeah. oh, what's this about? And like, no, it's not mine. Yeah. It's like, really? What's it called? Nut lovers. It looks like yours. <laughs> yeah. It's like, honey, no, I'm, you're all I need. <laughs> yeah, that, that, would have even, that would have been even more weird if you found nut lovers <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> that seems like a realistic name for a, you know the era. I don't know. It was strange. Once upon a time, I remember uh, speaking of pornography. That's what we're doing now. <laughs> See, this is what this is what you get sometimes with this. <laughs> sure. Sometimes it's chocolate bars. Sometimes it's porn. Yep. I remember one day going into a magazine store. Yeah. And it was uh, it was a store that was all magazines and all newspapers. Sure. And it was like huge. And it was amazing to me that there were so many magazines. Like you you, yeah. you 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 know you expect that magazines are just what you see at the grocery store <laughs> or on a little magazine rack at the smoke shop. And then you went in and it was like, holy cow! It just goes on forever. And like one half of the store was all legitimate magazines. Sure. And you know, it's like a, you know, an airplane fancier yeah. and cat snuggler and whatever. And then on the other side yeah. was pornography. And there still, was like, still legitimate magazines, but anyway. fair enough. Uh, yeah, they're printed and they're stapled. Uh, <laughs> and the other side was yeah. just the hugest wall yeah. of porn. Mm. And it was like how. <laughs> like one that there was this much yeah. was like insane to me. Yeah. And the other thing was 
no one seems to be buying it right now. Mm. How do they move all this? Mm. How do they move all this porn? Is there like something that happens late at night where like the guys <laughs> all just swarm in at once? They all buy the f- yeah, and it's like comic book shops. Sure. It's like they all buy the first issues and they come in on Wednesday mm. and they get all the the collector's items and they have a big stack. And they leave. But like that's what I never understood was like there's usually like one or two guys around the enormous wall of porn. Like you can't be moving enough product with just these two guys. Yeah. What's happening? How is how is this all going out the door fast enough? Was for this the, to was be the other fun? side like a hive of activity? The other side was much busier. Mm. Yeah. It was like people looking through magazines of different types, dollhouse magazines yeah. and you know, all, all easy them, rider. All of them well, easy rider is porn. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's one of those uh, fake out magazines where it's like, hey, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes tops fall off. Sometimes things happen. We Some, ride really fast, so their their shirts come off. Sometimes we take pictures of our old ladies. <laughs> Do they like being called old ladies? I don't know. Back now, yes, <laughs> fine. Um, yeah, all those people looking at. The New Yorker and uh, the Atlantic Monthly and everything, they, they were wishing they were looking at the porn magazines, but they're too shy. See, the thing is, is that... Do you think they grab one on the way out? Yeah, yeah. Put it underneath? They sandwich it. Uh, oh, they, they also they, had sandwich magazines. They had, all they had the sandwich. Sandwiches. They buy a sandwich magazine, two of them, and then they put, you know, one issue of Penthouse in between the two. And then they say, I only read it for the letters, which is all I read it for, too. I'm a man of letters. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it's a it's a lost thing now. It is weird. All the people that wrote into Penthouse had uh, very similar grammar and cadence and style of writing. <laughs> and they couldn't believe that it happened to them. And they uh, yeah, and and also yeah, they had the wherewithal mm-hmm. to immediately after uh, the uh, surprising lovemaking. Yeah, I guess like they were very polite and said, uh, "I hope we can do this again sometime." Yeah, nice delightful kiss. Yeah, get their phone numbers. Leave. Uh, probably have a shower, sure. you know, clean up, and then like I better get this all down. And like, <laughs> well, though, before they left, they, they just before I go, do you mind if I just get my tape out and just measure your get your measurements here, so your bust is and then your waist. And okay. all right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can't we'll you use the uh, numbers that are already on file for everyone else? <laughs> no, no, I think uh, it's got to be real. It's got to be a real story. Yeah, I couldn't believe can't this be happened fake. to me, but Tony the Tiger showed up. Oh, okay, wait a second. <laughs> I can't believe this here. <laughs> They're great. I wonder if anyone ever like started their alien abduction story with that and then got giggled at. Like, <laughs> what? I'm just saying I never thought this would happen to me. <laughs> what? It was serious. I got probed. <laughs> you don't get... <laughs> Guys. That's right. I was at home one night and three aliens approached me. Their measurements were... <laughs> <laughs> Quat one, blink knock. See, these are numbers. <laughs> Those are numbers. There's okay. deck L doe. Deck and L being. <laughs> Let me show you a little twelve toes. Quatron and blink knock. <laughs> Is that how you? If you measured someone, you'd measure them in their own. Yeah, in their for own politeness. In their own measure. In their own. <laughs> what size are you? I take a size blurg. I'm like okay. <laughs> What is that? Uh, is that like a small or a large? I don't know. Well, it's more depth. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Because they're t- okay. They're yes. They're only depth. <laughs> they don't have any height, or height or width. They only have depth. depth. Okay. That's the way it is for them. All right. Yeah, and there's multiple legs, so don't even think you're gonna mm. like go get something off the rack. At I the see. Gap. So you just lay the shirt over top of them. Yeah. Okay. Good enough. Yeah, and then it falls into them because of the depth. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, they're very deep. <laughs> Okay, well, you know, blurg. Well, I guess this has uh, never happened to you. <laughs> Obviously not. I'm going to tell you, I couldn't believe that it happened. 
<laughs> never thought I'd be writing this letter to the editor. Yeah. <laughs> but I immediately... you think, yeah. <laughs> and you know they were doing it on a typewriter, too, back then, too. Who, the writers of these... Of those letters, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm picturing it like at, like it actually happened. So, like, oh. <laughs> they, had this, they had this amazing sexual adventure, mm. and then they immediately brought no, no, out no. the old no, no, Underwood. No. You, they, they, they that's took the where you're wrong. Took the cover off the Underwood, <laughs> yep. plugged it in, and heard, anyway, we got to let it warm up for a bit. <laughs> okay, let's get the paper. Mm. <laughs> okay, we got any liquid paper? Because I, I might be making were some mistakes Were there electric here. Underwoods? I don't know. They were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my mom had one. Oh, okay. I don't like bringing up my mom when we're talking about this dirty stuff. But yeah, <laughs> she had a typewriter. I only the... ever used IBM as an electric. Oh typewriter. well, yeah. the boo electric ones. Oh well, <laughs> Were <laughs> these the? Uh, I really do think that if this happened to you, that you immediately go home and write this out longhand with a quill, because that's the only way to, okay. to properly document this um, amazing thing that. Uh, Happen in the laundry room of your apartment do you know what, building. Do you know what I would do then? I was out, mm-hmm. when they reprint the letters because they would have like Forum magazine. Yeah. They have a little digest version because mm-hmm. it's classier. Sure, to put in your pocket and like carry them with you. <laughs> uh, I would then Read call. The I would call that magazine longhand. <laughs> These were all letters that were written out to us in longhand, but also sounds a little sexy. It does sound sexy. Yeah, there you go. Sounds very manual. Oh, that's another good one. Manual is the other one too. <laughs> yeah, to that. All right, there. We'll have nice. We'll have nice conversation now. Here we go. All right. <clears throat> nice conversation. Okay. What are you going to converse about? Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> yes. You lost for a um, um, mm, poor kind of, <laughs> kind of uh, what's the thing? I don't know. I uh, <laughs> had any good sandwiches lately? <laughs> I did have a good sandwich. Lately. Oh, did you? Yeah. I got uh, this cookbook called Turkey and the Wolf, or Turkey, Turkey and Wolf. Turkey uh, and Wolf. Yeah, which is the name okay. of a restaurant that's in New Orleans. Okay, that makes more sense. And uh, the guy's known for making a fried bologna sandwich that's really good. Oh. So I made this fried bologna sandwich with like an herb mayo and uh, a red pepper jelly, and it's uh, fried bologna with, uh, with American cheese, and then it's also got um, salt and vinegar uh, potato chips on it. Oh, and it was very, very good. And I love putting I love putting salt and vinegar chips on. A I've sandwich. never really done that before. Oh, like on a tuna fish sandwich, they're great. Huh? Did you do that like as a youth? Yeah. Interesting. We never did that. That's uh, that's cool. Yeah, he used to um, get bologna sandwiches as a kid and hated them. Mm. The only thing that made them bearable was uh, the potato chips. So a lot of these recipes <laughs> are variations on things that he had when he was a kid, kind okay. of junk food and whatnot. Sure, but he's yeah. just sort of amp them up a little bit to make them more palatable to the yeah the modern. I also made like a meatloaf sandwich that he had that was in there that has like mm. uh, uh, cranberry sauce on it. And again, it's a oh yeah, and 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 it's really nice uh, mayo where uh, it's mayo plus miso plus Worcestershire uh, sauce, and you mix those together, and it mm. gives it a real gravy type yeah, flavor. Pretty pretty hearty. <laughs> yeah, it's it, but it gives it uh, like I say, it's very gravy like, mm. and it works great, especially with. Um, the uh, cranberry sauce. I oh, see. so so good together. Hmm. Uh, again, these are tastes that I would not never kind of put together. And then you shred your lettuce. See, as he goes, shred us. You put that on there. <laughs> and uh, something he does to the bread is, I guess it's like fried bread, but like you butter both sides of the bread, put it in the pan, mm. and like crisp up the outside. Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Mwah. So nice. Yeah. Very, very tasty. Not the healthiest uh, <laughs> stuff. There is some vegetable recipes that are in there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of things in there that I think you would enjoy. Mm. 
Yeah. 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 I'm not really a big bologna eater, mm-hmm. although I do like sandwich meats. Maybe I, th- I think of bologna as kind of like below me, bologna, below me. Blow me? Blow me. Are we back to that? <laughs> Come on. That we escaped with the sandwich talk. Yeah, I also made just one of the basic, like the sandwich that kind of got him hooked on sandwiches, which is a ham sandwich with sh- sharp cheddar and arugula. And again, I think there was like some cranberry on there and then a real herby uh, mayo that was, uh, and you put that onto a baguette and I made that yesterday and uh, again, really, really nice. Hmm. There's also a really good tomato sandwich that's in there, and I'm not a big tomato sandwich fan. Okay, what's the tomato sandwich? Let me t- tomato I'm, sandwich tomato is sandwich, is uh, is a tomato with mm-hmm. again. There's a there's a type of mayo, and I forget what's. Oh yeah, it's mayo with dill. Okay, and uh, and uh, I think maybe thyme, but it's some other herb as okay. well. So you put that on there. So it's mayo, uh, the tomato. You yeah. salt and pepper the tomato. Of course, season it. Got to do that. Uh, do that, and then you put on um, uh, not uh, sunflower seeds. Oh. Sunflower seeds on top, and it gives it okay. this uh, extra crunch. Uh-huh. What, and, do you, what do you uh, use the shells after? You do not. Uh, oh, they're not shelled. shelled. Okay, all right. Unshelled. <laughs> okay. And Makes uh, more sense. yeah, and then you sprinkle it with a bit more dill, mm. and uh, it is shockingly good. If you look at um, sandwiches of history, that guy makes the sandwich at one point okay. and just goes bananas for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's when one you of were... his. This is ridiculous. Yeah. There's nothing more I could do. The walking away. It's incredible. <laughs> When you were talking there, yeah, and you said it's a mayo with dill, I was thinking, oh, you know what you could do is just use regular Miracle Whipper mayo, and then just use pickles with tomatoes. That would be also that would also so be that good. would be your plus up. I guess that would be good. I do like tomatoes on things. I'm a fan. Yeah, there we go. Oh yeah, there we go. Okay, I'm gonna send you as usual a little <laughs> uh, little clip. And uh, and uh, yeah, I'll have to send that to you afterwards. I'm from a tomato family, so we had a lot of tomato. Tomato food as a kid. I did not ever have good tomatoes until I was probably an adult. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it was just simple. Like, my mom would just slice tomatoes. We would have, yeah. like, salted and peppered tomato slices. And they would have flavor to as them. A, yeah, as a side thing at dinner To time. me, like, back in, in the day, tomatoes were so watery and, like, nothing. They were mm. almost they were almost cucumber. You know, it was yeah. just, like, just nothing to them. Just I, the I like cucumber as well. But, yeah. It would be like uh, cucumber and uh, iceberg lettuce and then tomato <laughs> and like it, try to find some flavor and I'll give you a dollar. You know, and the only flavor you'd find was in the uh, French dressing that you put on top mm. of it. But the rest of it was just, it was just a texture, a romp through some texture. That was it. The idea that vegetables could taste like anything was uh, no <laughs> or those kind of, at least salads. Well, you know what, I was at the grocery store the other day and I noticed they had Catalina dressing there, which I was surprised because I, I didn't think it was available anymore. Mm. But because they don't often see Catalina, but there it was. Is there a difference between Catalina dressing and Russian dressing? I've never had Russian dressing. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've, I'm not really a fan. Strangely enough, for someone who likes tomato things, I'm not really a fan of tomato-based dressings. I prefer like a Thousand Islands or a or a blue cheese or something that's more mayo-based. Than mm. prefer I prefer that. Let me take a look of Catalina. Right. Yeah. First of all, what is Russian dressing? And why is it called Catalina? That's a real question. Ah, that's a very good I mean, question. Catalina Islands is the obvious thing, but was it made? Was it first made there or just named after it by someone? Okay, so Russian dressing mm-hmm. is a creamy, slightly spicy, salmon-huge spread, not salmon-flavored. Yeah. Uh, made from mayonnaise, ketchup, sour cream, prepared horseradish, and dill relish. Okay. Okay. Uh, what is Catalina dressing? Is the question. Sure, that's what we all want to know. It seems like Russian dressing People is at Thousand home. Island. That sounds very similar to Thousand Island, right? 
No, it's mayo ketchup. There's no uh, ketchup in Thousand Island, so I wouldn't think, or minimal amount. There isn't because it's not. It doesn't because it's not salmon hued, right? Okay. Like right. Thousand Islands is like brown. Because when I think of salmon hued, I think of like French dressing or Catalina dressing. Okay, so what is Catalina dressing made out? Yeah. It's made out of a blend of ketchup, vinegar, sugar, and oil. Oh, so much more watery. Right. Okay, now I got to see what based. Thousand Island dressing. Is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. All right. Must this, have, I'm sure it has we're relish. We're much more on brand right now. By the I'm way, sure I like that relish. we're doing this. <laughs> this is nice. I'm glad we've. I'm glad sure. we've become a nice show again. Okay. Okay. So here is what goes into Thousand Island dressing. Yeah. It's mayonnaise based. Yeah. Then olive oil, mm. lemon juice, okay. orange juice, paprika, Worcestershire sauce, mustard, vinegar, cream, chili sauce, wow. tomato puree, and either ketchup mm. or Tabasco sauce. Oh, so ketchup can be an ingredient. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Most of the recipes. I don't I'm think it's here. a main ingredient. The way it, no, no, no. The way you have with the Russian dressing. It's uh, to one cup mayonnaise. Uh, you put two tablespoons ketchup. Mm. So it is kind of one of the first ingredients after mayonnaise and, and onion. Yeah. And that's before we start throwing pickle pickle relish and nonsense into it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I definitely knew there was pickle relish in it. It's a, it's a big part of its uh, its charm. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I do like Thousand Islands a lot. But I'm glad you had good experiences with tomatoes as a kid. Yeah. I had a friend good. in My college. My dad likes to grow them. Oh, what's that? My dad likes to grow them. Oh, there you go. That's a different situation. Yeah. If you yeah. grow them in the garden, they taste radically different than mm-hmm. if you get them in the supermarket. And they I mean, we also did that, the... but, you know. Yeah. We also did that. Like, just, uh, like, we're planting our tomato plants probably this weekend. Okay. And, uh, yeah, just walking by them, you just pick up a tomato and pop it in your mouth. and <laughs> Just amazing. And it just tastes so good. I would never think of, like, I've got little uh, cherry tomatoes in the fridge. Mm, that'd be good to just go and... Just get a cherry tomato out of the fridge. Could you imagine it? Pop it in your mouth and like, eh, it'd be fine. It'd be fine. But like outside on the on the vine, just oh yeah. Oh, I, try I, and stop me. I like, like cherry tomatoes. So but good. Yeah, I guess I guess they're not the most. I don't know. I guess it depends what you like. You know, it's funny. My mom makes uh, tomato marmalade from the mm. from the tomatoes, which I've never seen it anywhere or really heard about it anywhere else. But that my mom has a makes it every year. Tomato marmalade. This year she only made one jar of all the outrageous things to do. Hmm. I know, but you know. Are you a canner? Uh, we did it a little bit, Lisa and I, when we were younger. But you make a lot of stuff. You make a lot when you can, and then you're kind of like, well, "What are we going to do with all this?" You end up having to give it away to people. <laughs> you bring it over as uh, great, as, as grateful, presents. yeah, grateful people. Thank you. Uh, but Lisa did make a lot of apple applesauce, which is always good because her mom made applesauce. But my mom was like, my mom was like canned all the time. Like we always had canned peaches, canned pears, canned cherries. She made pickles sometimes. Um, would you have uh, applesauce with uh, pork chops? We would, but my mom my never. Mom, we never even considered that. Oh, really? Yeah. When we saw it on the Brady Bunch, it was like, "What's that about?" <laughs> yeah, we did that quite a bit. But the thing is, my mom didn't make applesauce, so we just bought like the Sunripe sure applesauce. And then when I went to Lisa's place one time, and I had her mom's applesauce, which was fantastic. And then I went home and I tried the Sunripe. Then it tasted like nothing compared to what yeah. her mom made. Yeah. Which is basically just more sugar, probably, and maybe just different kind of apples, because she used transparent apples to whatever garbage, <laughs> Macintosh or you know, red, red delicious or something horrible like that that um, Sunripe is using. But yeah, it was just so bland, and I was just like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> like, I can't eat this now because it's no good compared to like the real stuff, you know. And then I hit my arm like, give me more of that. <laughs> yeah. 
That sweet, sweet stuff. Yeah, I think it's like my dad was a British background. Yeah. So he was uh, meat, potatoes, and uh, flavorless everything else for the most part. <laughs> yeah. You know, it would be like yeah. we get kind of a bolognese sauce for the spaghetti, and it's like, that's a spicy mm-hmm. sauce. It's like mm-hmm. not even close. You know, the spiciest thing he would put on stuff was HP sauce, and he yeah. would put a lot of that on his mashed potatoes or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's pretty flavorful, though. HP sauce has a lot of yeah. flavor in it. It's dates and raisin sauce. Yeah. It, people do talk about that with like, British food, or then you taste like uh, like a Wensleydale cheese, and that's a very tasty cheese. Like there's a lot of flavor there. I think what you get, okay. Here, my theory on the British food is this: there's uh, the base foods, and those are kind of where you boil your vegetables to death for yeah. safety reasons, for the most part. <laughs> okay. So, because you don't want your kids to die, so you boil the food. Sure. So you're not going to roast it, and you're not going to whatever, because something could still survive. So you have that, and they, you, that's all flavorless. So you grow up with flavorless, yeah. but then. Uh, you're smoking all the time. So, you know, you end up with my grandparents who yeah. would eat like onions like apples, you know, because they 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 couldn't taste anything because they mm-hmm. smoked so much. Yeah. And so I think that's where you get like the the harder spices and the Wensleydale cheese and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. And I think even, you know, those that are kind of bigoted, you know, uh, later on, you're like, why is curry so popular? It's like, because smokers can taste it. <laughs> because you can you can ramp up the heat enough that at every eight stage of your life, you can actually taste it. Okay. And also, it's so cheap that, you know, yes, you're a bigot who would maybe not like ethnic food. Yeah. But, one, it's meat. You can taste it. And uh, it's cheap. Yeah. You're, are you cheaper than you are bigoted? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then what are we ordering? We're ordering a curry. Yes, we are. Let's do that. And then you're like, let's get a pizza instead. All right, let's try British pizza. Dear God. Get... <laughs> How are you fucking this up? It's the simplest goddamn recipe in the world. Tomato I mean... sauce and cheese on like a, like, a, like a bread. How? How'd you fuck it up? England? My, my parents came out of that as well. I mean... We were a roast beef every Sunday family, you know. And Yorkshire pudding? No, I didn't really do Yorkshire pudding. Okay. We had, yeah, she just didn't bother with that. But yeah, it was roast beef, potatoes, and some sort of like couple side vegetables. And that was every Sunday that we weren't like eating at my grandma's or something. And then uh, then we get it, you know, three more days of the week. We'd have roast beef show up on the plate, mm-hmm. you know, in some horrible form. <laughs> Worse being the, I've said before, the... You know, this plain white bread with a, some roast beef on top and then gravy. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was about to say, that is what my dad would have with peas yeah. on it. And I'd be like, okay, a roast beef sandwich. I can sort of have that. Bloop. What the fuck did you just do? <laughs> what just put it in the toilet? I'll eat it out of that. Oh, my gosh. What's yeah, wrong no, was, with everybody? It was, uh, I kind of. Is I, this for grandpa? Like, yeah. do we not have teeth? Like, what are we doing? When I was a teenager, I, I rebelled and would just make a sandwich rather than do do that. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. It's have like to. I'm not not doing it anymore. Yeah, I've been I've been going along with it for quite a while, but I I'm gonna put my foot down on this whole soggy bread with roast beef thing. Well, yeah, I remember so, uh, one time like someone showed me like horseradish, like prepared horseradish with this kind of with mayo, I guess. Yeah, and uh, so we would always have to have the roast beef. And then, yeah, you make a sandwich, like, that's eh, all right. And then I had that with a horseradish, like, ah, ah, I see what we're doing here. This, mm. is what, this, this is how you make it good. Yeah, it's still, just me, it's just mustard. Okay. Mustard and mayo with pickles and roast beef. It's good. But not English pickles. I don't know what English not pickles Not mustard are. pickles. No, not mustard pickles, just regular. Okay. Dill pickles, yeah. I do like a mustard pickle. I do, too. Actually, even more than that, I like the uh, the little pearl onions that are in there. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice good. surprise. Yeah. 
There's very few of them, so enjoy them while yeah, they're just they're random. They just come out of nowhere. It's like the little bead, bead candies in licorice all sorts. Those are the rare ones. <laughs> appreciate those when they show up. My mom was complaining that you can't buy liquid all, licorice all sorts anymore, like good licorice all sorts. They still have like licorice all sorts, but they're like thicker. They're not like the thin kind that if you remember like. Okay. I'm not calling your mom a liar. I'm just wondering where she's uh, buying her licorice all sorts. This is the grocery store. Okay. Yeah. Like at a Canadian superstore, eh? They wouldn't have uh, licorice all sorts? I guess not, according to my mom. Again, I'm not calling I'm just, your mom a liar. I'm just... They, no, no, no. This. I'm not saying there aren't licorice all sorts. I'm saying there aren't the kinds that she likes right. now that, that we you. had when... I hear you. You know, which are the very thin sliced ones. Now they have these ones that are like thicker looking. Right. It's kind of... It's different. It's I not the same. You. It's not the same. I, For whatever I, reason, everyone wants uh, licorice like it's Australian licorice. Oh, all right. Well, we usually go with the finished licorice. <laughs> you want, bit, you want little, it salted. A little bit salted. <laughs> I mean, again, like to me, it's all a disaster. It's oh, you don't like licorice? Oh, no. In no way, shape, or form. It's oh, the worst. I like licorice. Yeah, it's like a, it's like when you get like a black jelly bean. You're just like, well, that's garbage and horrible. <laughs> Save it for wintertime and you can use it with your snowmen. <laughs> and that's about the only use for it. No, I, oh, that's funny. But then I grew up with a mom who liked licorice, so that's how it goes. That's we. That's how you get it. you get in it. You get. I was say inundated, but that's not the word. You get. I think. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think. I ha- all the ladies in our neighborhood, they liked uh, the licorice all sorts, and quite a few of them smoked, and some of them would accidentally burn me with cigarettes. So I think I've associated <laughs> problems with them waving their freaking hands around with their cigarettes. and I said to, so I'm sorry, I'm sorry I burned you with a cigarette. Oh, well, yeah, you burned me. <laughs> you can't do that. Um, I'm going to give you a bit of trivia right now. Oh, right. Or I'm going to quiz you on a trivia okay. thing, and you tell me. Quiz. Um, you know, we were talking about Enid uh, Blyton. Yes. Okay. So she, of course, was known for the famous five. Yes. She was also named for, known for another book with five in the title. Oh. What was that book called? Well, it was a series. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say there's like 15, yeah, more than 15 books. What was uh? What was it? It was a t- detective series. That's a clue for you. Okay. So and it's I'll... not the famous five. It's a different five. That's right. It was a. Uh, it was called uh, the five, and then the title of what it was, and uh, and sometimes it was called the the five. Fill in the title and dog, occasionally. Okay. Yeah. So. I really have no idea. Sorry. The five find outers. <laughs> hyphenated. <laughs> All right. And yeah. they did the mystery. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say the mystery uh, over yeah. and over again. Yeah. But just put the mystery of before all these titles. Okay. So the first one is Mystery of the Burnt Cottage, okay. Disappearing Cat, Secret Room, Spiteful Letters, Missing Necklace, Hidden House, Pantomime Cat, We're Back to Cats, Invisible Thief, Vanished Prince, Strange Bundle, Holly Lane, Tally Ho Cottage, The Missing Man, Strange Messages, Banshee Towers. Ooh. All scary. very, uh, you know, there you go. Oh, very good. And 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 this is how you know it's a thing from the the past. The, the lead mm. in the uh, five find outers. Yeah. Uh, lead guy is uh, is Fatty. Oh. His name is Fatty. Fatty Trotville. <laughs> also, there's Larry Dakin, Daisy Dakin, Pip Hilton, and Betts Hilton. And they all, of course, have their real names, but these are their nicknames, which are their true names. Yeah. 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 And dog. <laughs> the there, dog is Buster. Talking about this actually makes me remember that I also read um, a, a book about the Bobsy Twins when I was a kid. Okay. And I think they were British books. So it was Bo- the Bobsy Twins and the Doodlebug, which I assumed was a bug, but it actually Doodlebug was like the V2 
rockets that were fired by the Germans oh, into England. Yeah. But I don't think I understood that as a kid. And so it was all very mysterious and weird what I was reading. And it made no sense to me because they were so very British that everything that people were doing was, had no, made no sense to a, to a Canadian kid. Because like, it's World War II era, things people are doing, and then you add on to that the difference in you know, the country and, and the slang and stuff like that. And once again, you know, I made the terrible gaff with electric torches in Famous <laughs> Five, so you can imagine what gaffs I was making with doodlebugs and all the rest of it, you know. So, yeah. I mean, I did read it, but I just didn't understand it. Here's one more Edith uh, Blyton thing. Okay. She is known for an English character mm. that she created okay. that first appeared in a book series published between 1949 and yep. 1963. Okay. was illustrated by a Dutch artist. Okay. Uh, and it's a character who is made by a woodcarver in a toy store. Who is this character? Oh, I have no idea. Naughty. Oh, yes, Naughty. I forgot about that. Yeah. You used to do jokes about Naughty, and I had no idea what you were talking about. Because <laughs> there used to be an animated version of that. Yeah, that was what it was. What, yeah. And I think there was like a gollywog associated with that, too, which is not so great nowadays, of course. But uh, at the time, it was fine. Yep. It was fine, people said. It's okay. Yep, they said it was fine. <laughs> and they looked over and uh, and saw a stand-up doing some material and were like, is he doing a rapping <laughs> corner <laughs> store <laughs> oh, oh, owner? Is, 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 the, is the owner Chinese? I don't know. Yeah. With this accent, I don't know. <laughs> it's a wide range. Mm. It kind of comes and goes, yeah. too. Like, poof. There's that scene in Extras, maybe the first or second show of Extras, where the the, yeah. the lady character has the, the gollywog doll Collection, from her youth. Yeah. yeah. And of course, it's okay until you realize yeah. that it's not okay. <laughs> I seem to remember someone having wallpaper. Oh, uh, really? With that. Well, yeah. Yeah. It was a, a montage of different characters, yeah. And I'm just going to say one more Enid uh, okay. uh, Blyton book. Okay. Uh, she wrote uh, a series of novels. Um, uh, called The Naughtiest Girl. Okay. Yeah, that's a good title. She's prolific. Oh, no kidding. I guess she had nothing else to do. Well, she was an author. That She was doing her job. <laughs> well, she, yeah. also, she also uh, wrote a book uh, that had another num- number in the title, yep. uh, which was Seven. Okay. They were the blank seven. What were they? The Super Seven? Secret Seven. I Different. I said super. I immediately thought, oh, it must be secret. What was and here's those books. <laughs> secret 7. Secret 7 Adventure. Well done, Secret 7. Secret <laughs> 7 on the trail. Go ahead, Secret 7. Good work, Secret 7. Secret 7 win through. Three cheers, Secret 7. Secret 7 mystery. Puzzle for the Secret 7. Yeah. Secret 7 fireworks. Good old Secret 7. Shock for the Secret 7. Look out, Secret 7. Fun for the Secret 7. And mystery of the skull. Hey, 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 pick a theme. And then there's also Mystery of the Theater Ghost. Nope, nope. It's got to be Hootie Doo, Secret Seven. You're swell, Secret Seven. I've got no notes, Secret Seven. Here's, here's a, some candy, Secret here's Seven. Here's the ghost, Secret Seven. Yeah. Every one of these concepts has like 15 freaking books. Yeah. And they were actually books. Like I say, yeah, and they were big books too. Like yeah. As a kid, when you read them, you're... I mean, of course, they were written in a Dr. Seuss-sized font, but... Still, as a kid, you were like, I can't believe that. Yeah, I'm about to start work on a Scholastic book, and I'm like, holy cow, i got to catch up. (laughs) Holy Moses. Yeah. Sweet, fancy Moses. Okay, fine. It's going to be like that. Um, But written at a time when, I mean, books were much more popular, and, you know, and they're much more common as gifts and as something that was just there, you know, for you to do on a rainy day when... 
you can go outside or whatever. There's a book there for you. Yeah. You know. I just wonder with something like the Great Brain books, how long those took to write. Yeah, it's a good question. But I mean, those books were a mix of, I don't even know if they're a mystery. I think they're more like... There's usually some sort of mystery oh, in them. Okay. I was and they were to... supposed to be autobiographical I think they're more they n- were. No. Yeah, I was going to say, they're more nostalgic than they're like a mystery, really. They're more about the... the... And of course, when you're reading them as a kid, you, the, the Mormon part of it doesn't really make, doesn't really stand out to you. Later on, I guess you maybe think, oh, that was, that was a weird part of those books. They're Mormon. It's unusual. Yeah, but, you know, they're still human beings. I don't know about that. I remember the one thing that freaked me out in the, the Great Brain books is the one kid who, like, stepped on a rusty nail and, like, mm. really messed up his uh, foot. I was like, oh my gosh. And he got, like, tetanus and yeah, top jaw. Bad. I was like, yeah, really bad. I went stepped on a nail and went through the top of my foot. Out of my shoe. (laughs) I was told not to climb on a pile because there was my dad. My dad had torn down an an old fence, and I just I ran up it and stepped on a nail and uh, went hopping across the yard with a piece of wood hanging to my foot. My mom had to pull it out, and so uh, she's not happy with me. Okay, so next time you like saw the Easter story, did you go? I know what that's like. It's not great. It's bad. Must have hurt. Mm -hmm. That's what I said. And everyone goes, "Yeah, we know." We know it hurt. Yeah. I, I, I had to prove it to myself. I couldn't just believe it. I was like, really? A nail through your skin and flesh? That hurts? Yeah. Well, it's oh, a busters. Let me tell you right now. It does. Yep. It does hurt a little bit. Uh, when I was a, a, a youth, uh, <laughs> they had uh, the Jesus of Nazareth movie. I don't know if you saw that. Jesus of Nazareth? The one written by... Uh, um... The one that was on ABC, I can tell you that much. And it was written by, what the, shoot, now I can't remember think of his name, of all the dumb things in the Stephen world. Stephen King. Anthony Burgess. Oh, nice. Okay. Who wrote A Clockwork Orange and other books. Yeah, so uh, they, they made a big deal of like, this is going to be like on this weekend for Easter, mm-hmm. and Story of Jesus, and it's yeah. all these, you know, in all the commercials, it's him, you know, with all the people, and they're all around and touching his hands, and he's gentle sure. man. Sure. And it's like, oh, that's great. And so they, so yeah, I'm watching it. I'm watching it. Yeah. And uh, I'm a kid. I'm a little kid. Yes, you are. Uh, maybe like Word. eight or nine. Okay. And then we get to, uh, oh, you know, he's carrying the cross. Mm. And now they're taking him up and they're putting him on the cross. Sure. But before they do that, they nail him to the cross. Yeah. And I've never seen anyone being nailed to a cross. <laughs> okay. But they took their time with that sure, scene. Sure, And like, here goes the nail. Here goes the hammer. Yeah. It's up against the wrist or hand. I don't know. I don't remember which. And... And he's screaming. Yeah. And I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> and there's, there's nothing in the story up until this point that is anything close to that. There was a bit of whipping. Yeah. And the thorn crown, which was a little disturbing. Uh, but like nothing like this. And then like just hanging them up on the cross. And all I can think is like, get him down, get him down, get him down, <laughs> get him down. Take those out. Help him out. What are you doing? What are you doing? And all this other story keeps going. Why is no one getting him down? Get him down. Get him down. Get him down. It just, How are they going to get him down? Just made me take the nails out. But get him down. Like don't <laughs> leave him up there hanging yeah. by nails. Like he, he's he's in agony. It just it was like so disturbing to me a, as a kid. It was a common death at the time. Right, but the, the story up until that point is like this gentle man who's <laughs> helping others. Yeah. And, you know, it's all the Christmas story stuff that you know. And all this beautiful. No one, like, I never, when I went to church, did everyone go, and again, they hit the hammer in. And he screamed. And it's like, they really, like, played it up for, mm. like, the movie. I'd never seen any kind of violence like that yeah. in a movie before. Yeah, it was very, very disturbing and <laughs> took me right out of it, I'd like to say. <laughs> it's a big part of the story, I then guess. Then he came back. Part of the story. I don't know. I think I they could have done it. a thing where they raise. Honestly, I think they could have done a thing. You raise the hammer up, 
And the next thing you see, he's on the cross <laughs> with the two people on the sides. And we get it, right? We don't need to see I that. Don't, well, I, so obviously they wanted to uh, give you the whole story. Okay. Oh, I get it. I think it's directed by... I get, um, I get the joke. Yeah, it's my pun there. Sorry. Nailed it. Pun not intended. But yeah, I think it was directed by Franco Zeffirelli. Okay. Uh, and written by Anthony Burgess. If it's the same one I'm thinking of, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. It was a TV series, 1977, I think. Let's see. And then... Um, yeah, so you... yeah, Anthony Burgess, a couple of other people. Franco Zeffirelli was one of the writers as well. Okay. David Butler uh, also gave uh, additional dialogue. And you're right, Franco Zeffirelli. And then they did a second one called AD, which was uh, basically the Book of Acts. And I've never seen that. I don't even actually know if it was made into a movie. But because um, Burgess wrote a novel, like he wrote a novelized version of the Jesus of Nazareth. And then he also wrote AD, which is the Book of Acts and I guess some of the Pauline letters kind of combined into a into a history. It's interesting, I guess. Oh, that's it. Sorry, uh, uh, I'm just looking at the cast. Okay, for the for this, uh, James Mason's in it as oh, Joseph yeah. as Arimathea. Okay, uh, Ian McShane. Oh, guess who he plays? Judas. Yeah, yeah, It'd be good Judas. That'd be interesting. Uh, you know, uh, do you know why he's Judas? He has dark hair. Sure sign of a oh, okay, villain. There was a lot of like things with uh, coins in the John Wick thing. It'd be funny if he like just picks up pieces of silver and just like, nope, not again. Fool me once, shame on me. Uh, Donald Pleasance is there. Oh. Uh, Christopher Plummer, Anthony Quinn, Rod uh, Steiger as Pontius Pilate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Peter Ustinoff. Who do you think he plays? Peter Ustinoff. I'm gonna guess that he plays. Oh, I don't know. Can't think of any character that strikes me as. Ustanuvian. Over the uh, over the topish. Yeah. Oh, think about it. Who does? Uh, is he John does... the Baptist? Uh, no, no. Oh, is he the King Herod? Yeah. Okay. That's that's sorry. Yeah. That, Michael that, York plays John the Baptist. Oh, that's a good that's a good casting. Yeah. And Anne Bancroft is Mary Magdalene. Nice. And uh, Ernest Borgnine is a Roman centurion. <laughs> I'll gamble. I'll throw lots for his clothes. Yeah. Uh, James Earl Jones is Balthazar. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. The Three Wise Men. Okay. This is a this is a good cast. Yeah, I almost want to see it again. Anthony Quinn. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but Capathis, uh, Capathis, C C A I A P H A S. Sure, Kay. that guy. Yeah, yeah, or whatever. One of the one of the temple priests. I think. I think I should know that better, but apparently I don't pay that much attention during <laughs> during the readings. And Maybe Ian I'm Holm daydreaming. is also in it as uh, Zara. Okay, these are all characters that I don't. Jesus. I'm saying Jesus now like that. <laughs> Who plays Jesus? Oh, Jesus is uh, played by Robert Powell. Okay. It's a it's a blue-eyed Jesus, just to make it not accurate. But... He's my blue-eyed Jesus. I never saw the whole thing, but I remember watching it at my grandma's. It was like turning the TV on and it was on. And, what, and then there's a scene where he walks in where Pontius Pilate is. Obviously, Rod Steiger, which I knew as a kid, of course, because I was a big fan of In the Heat of the Night. Just mm-hmm. kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Entirely kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> But um, he comes. Uh, Jesus walks in, and then there's like a this sort of halo effect around him that Pontius Pilate sees. Mm-hmm. But of course, I guess he also says, "Trick of the light." Well, that's too bad. Uh, so <laughs> it was a four-part television film. Okay. Yeah. Holy oh. moly! Must have gone into some detail then. And perhaps uh, each part retold the story, but from the the Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, then and they started again oh, with uh, the Gospel of Mark, oh, and then boy, they started again. That would be a bold choice. Gospel of Luke, and then they finish off with the Gospel of John, and you're just like, what does this have to do with anything? I don't know. What's John? What, what is this? This all the word stuff? 
John was under a tight deadline. I was like, hey, here you go. Get, gotta get it out. Did you even like pay any attention? No, no, it's fine. <laughs> okay. This who's, who's naughty? This one's nothing, nothing. I ripped <laughs> off someone. Uh, he, 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 did you get Heath Blinder right here? Yeah. yeah. How can you keep calling the uh, apostles the Secret Seven? Uh, you know, you know, uh, thing. <laughs> There's uh, all the apostles are there. Peter, Fatty, yeah. uh, you know, all, all of them. Golly, uh, Ju- Judas, uh, you know, Pip, you know, all, all, all your favorites. <laughs> yeah, Pip. <laughs> yep. Gollum, you know, all, all of them, all Go- of them. Go- and Gollum, you will betray me. <laughs> Gollum will not betray you. <laughs> Gollum loves the Jesus. <laughs> yep. Right, Judas? Leave me out of this. <laughs> I'll just hold on to the money. <laughs> All right, that sounds fine. Hey, where'd he go? <laughs> no! <laughs> My precious. Tee-hee-hee. <laughs> and so we have fun. What's your favorite uh, movie about Jesus? My favorite movie about Jesus? Yes. Do you have one? Yeah, uh, I haven't seen a lot. I would. Our favorite portrayal of Jesus. That you've I like. Seen. Um, I do like the Last Temptation of Christ. I think that's a really good movie. Okay. And uh, there's um, a version of I think it's the Gospel Gospel of Mark by um, Pasolini, which is like black and white and told very plainly, like this, um, this bunch of actors acting in. The desert, basically. That's okay. uh, good, but I and I, I've never seen like all of Jesus of Nazareth, or and I've never seen King of Kings or any of those kind of movies. Okay, like the big, the big ones, where you know the Hollywood ones with Max von Sydow as Christ. Right. What? <laughs> what is going on here? But yeah, yeah, because the Pasolini ones. The power of me compels you. Yeah, the Pasolini ones. Interesting because it's all Italian actors, but they're all like peasant stock italian actors yeah. you know they're all you know swarthy guys you know like it's sweaty and dirty and it feels like i guess it feels real to you but i, I think every generation gets the christ it wants it deserves or wants or whatever you know like you know i wish there was something like uh again i've tried to convince you a couple of times to watch uh, ten commandments <laughs> um but the yeah. i like the idea of the traveling movies that like would travel from town to town okay and people would go and there was an intermission and mm. it was a big sweeping film sure and it feels like the only kind of films that are like that now are like a superhero or an avatar or something like that a little bit mm. you know where you have a movie that's too long like, well honestly, you'll be happy to hear the that new martin scorsese film that's three and a half hours long that's coming to theater soon oh is it okay yeah there we are. Um, but something like that that's like, you know, uh, it would be nice. And again, that would probably be like a good example of one of these things then. But, but an over-the-top spectacle mm-hmm. that isn't something that you know about as in, you know. So you go to see like a sound of music or something yeah. like that. But yeah. It's not like the Marvel thing where it all ties into all these other things. Sure. Or even like Avatar, you know. We have to watch the previous Avatar. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be, it'd be interesting if there was like a film like that. It's just like there's just a big... Big production, yeah. bunch of stuff. Here we go, and we're gonna have an intermission. Mm. We're gonna have this, and uh, you know, uh, I don't know if there'd be like spoilers, but honestly, with the movie like <laughs> Sound of Music, who gives a shit if there's spoilers? Sure. It's just that you still got the experience. Everyone knows how Gone with the Wind ends. You know how the war, you know, went. So that who cares? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. what 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 time of the what when, what year does this film happen with Sound of Music? Uh, that year. Okay, so we know how this fire ends. Yeah. Uh, everyone's running from the Nazis. Okay, fair enough. But I'm going to assume because the Van Trapp family are real people and they're fine and we made a movie out of them, things work out okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting if it would still if they would still made those sort of movies. Yeah, I I guess, but I just don't don't know if we have the mentality for those kind of like movies now. Big over the top. The big over the top, you know, like you know, like you said that about Marvel films. Marvel films still have like fighting and stuff in them where that's not really like like family friendly or whatever. Like you you know, those sort of movies are just like I mean, I, I guess I guess there's dramatic parts to uh, Gone with the Wind. I guess there's dramatic parts to those. And I suppose there's, I mean, we know all those films, but there must have been movies that were intended to be like big traveling roadshow films that weren't successful. Well, people Cleopatra. Weren't interested. Yeah, yeah, I guess Cleopatra. Cleopatra would be an example of that. And Dr. Doolittle, obviously. Mm-hmm. Another big failure. Yeah. They were intended as like these big, but I mean, Dr. Doolittle is an example of where it was just falling out, out of step with the, with the taste of the times. Right. You know, people didn't want those kind of films anymore. The studios still wanted to make them, but the, Audiences, audiences didn't want to see them. So was Doctor Who a little uh, a Broadway musical before it? I don't think so. I think it's entirely a, a Hollywood concoction okay. based on the Hugh Lofting books. I think the other problem with that is you've got uh, one good song in it, and it's right off the top. What's the one good song? Uh, if I could talk to the animals. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much it. You're yeah, right. Yeah, and then hmm. the push me pull you song is no good. Yeah. yeah. How does he shit? We all want to know how does he shit and where does it go? Oh no! Yeah, it wasn't appropriate at the time. That's right. Yeah, the lamb iPod, as it's also called. Yeah, it's uh... And then it all ends with a giant snail that you're like, oh, that's not the best <laughs> snail. Weird, I've ever seen. Uh... <laughs> also, aren't snails kind of gross? Really? Like, do you want to have a giant one? The slug saved the day. <laughs> Did it? Yes. All right. <laughs> Slowly but surely, it saved the day. That's yeah, the guy from My Fair Lady, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm. I like that. All right. That was good. Oh, I was just going to mention before we uh, get to letters, and I think yeah. we're going to get there pretty soon. Is uh, I promised last week on last week's show that I was going to watch Ganjiam Haunted Asylum, the Korean okay. horror film that Nina had wanted me to watch, and I did watch it. I watched it the Friday after I said I'm going to watch that movie, and it was fresh in my my brain, so I did watch it. And it was good. It was good. It was it was scary. It wasn't like you know, like once again, there's no. I have never never seen a horror film where it's just like a horror film. I don't mean like a gore film where it's like people getting stuff chopped off, which makes does does you know is bothersome to watch. But this is like a film that sets like a really great like atmosphere and really like you know you know tightens the screws on you as as it goes. Unfortunately, I think the best and scariest scene is kind of like two-thirds of the way into the film and so then after that it's kind of like it's like a roller coaster where they're kind of upping the ante but it, never, it can't quite you know you can't quite scale those heights where again. should you put your scariest scene where should you put your scariest scene yeah. that's a good question i think where's your scariest scene? like that feels like that's where the scariest scene is in say something like jaws mm. to me the scariest scene in jaws is uh, Richard Dreyfus in the shark cage, sure. in the in the water. Okay, because he's exactly. But that's actually that's actually later than two thirds of the film. Do you think though. so? Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty near the that's pretty near the uh, the climax. Is it? Like it's because part like of the we, it's part we, of the build up. We think sure. that he's uh, sorry for a little spoiler there for yeah. Jaws. We think that he's dead. Yeah. So it feels like we, like to me that's the two thirds. And so that's part, part because of because then the rest is. Is uh, Quint and uh, and uh, Rob uh, Rob Schneider Rob Schneider yes yeah you know who I'm talking playing about. Deuce Bigelow the other two and Shark we've kind Gigolo. of dismissed yeah. Richard Dreyfuss as like well he had a good run he had a good that's run that's the end of him and yeah. so now we're in the the the, the third the last third of the movie which is just these yeah. two guys I think versus the shark I think if you looked at it 
time-wise, it would be like the last quarter of the film. Okay, maybe, yeah. Because I think the two-thirds is where they're singing. They're, like, they're, do, they're talking about the Omaha and then have the song and then the shark it hits the boat. Okay. That's sort of the beginning of the ratcheting up. Okay. I mean, really, the scariest scene is the jump scene is the, is the head in the boat. Mm-hmm. which is much earlier in the film. But, I mean, the film doesn't flag, though, and it keeps building to the conclusion. Like, There's never a part of the movie where you're kind of like, oh, just let's just get it over with or whatever. Like, The problem with Ganjiam, Haunted Asylum, is a problem that I find common to all these genre films, is that it's a found footage horror film. Okay. And I always think those movies suffer because they are bound by, their, by the um, gimmick of the, of the found footage. So you kind of, you know, this movie goes to great lengths in order to have like a lot of cameras. Like they set up the fact that there's a lot of cameras. Yeah. There's there's a drone. The, all every character's wearing a, a bot like a a GoPro camera that's pointing at them and also pointing away from them. So oh. it's giving their point of view, but also their reactions oh, okay. are right. also visible. Then they also set up cameras in the asylum themselves, motion detect detecting cameras are set up in, um, around. And so those are also picking up images. And the idea is that they are like a um, like a YouTube channel that visits, like they're like a ghost hunter kind of YouTube channel. You know, and so of course, we can assume that they've done this before and, have, you know, never had anything happen. And so they're very confident that once again, this is going to be like a walk in the park. And so like they, you know, they go into the asylum before they begin like the actual show. And they set up their cameras and things like that. And then, so they have like, the th- there's three characters who are kind of like the main channel, the guys who run the channel. And for whatever reason, they have three women who join them who are like people who are fans of the show, it seems like, oh, okay. and who want to experience this thing. You know, and so one is like, is a, I think she's like a Korean girl who's also lived in America. And so she, and she's visited, um, like it's based in a real place. Gonjiam is an actual asylum in Korea. Who, and apparently they sued the... The owner sued the film. <laughs> That's a bit of a bad... Claiming, uh, claiming that they were going to wreck... The, you know, it's going to make yeah, it hard for him to sell. But it actually was on a, on a CNN BuzzFeed-style list of seven creepiest places in the world. Okay. So it already has a reputation as a okay. creepy place. It's nothing to do with the movie. And, you know, and so in the, in the film, this girl has visited two other places that are also on the list that suicide forest in Japan yeah. and a place in Mexico. And so so she's there, and then there's two other characters. And then there's a fourth guy who seems to be like a satellite to the three main characters. He's there as sort of like a, a cameraman as well, and, and, and it's, but he's not part of the main group. And so I guess the idea is they're going to go to this asylum. It's going to be a live broadcast. It's going to be... And, and so it's you know edited on the fly, and then when they when they need to like take a break, the 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 guy who's in the command center, he will have replays of things that happened in the, in the in the movie. And so part of it is, and this is not really spoiling, the guys are setting it up like they are faking some of the early things that happen. But of course, the fake stuff then starts to become real, you know, or you know, or you know what, you know, it starts to overcome the. <laughs> it's even scarier than the fake things they planned, right? So, um, yeah, but it's a very, you know, it's a. Good, it's a good location, you know, a haunted asylum. Mm-hmm. There's elements of it that I felt like they didn't exploit enough, that they kind of set up, which is my problem with the Blair Witch Project as well, which is they set up this idea of the witch, and then there's no witch in the movie, and you're just kind of like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> but, um, 
And in this movie, there's like they talk about this director of the asylum, and then you never see her mm. in any kind of meaningful way. Um, you know, so it's kind of like, why are we dis- discussing this? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and then, uh, and then the usual problem with all these films is that kind of like a roller coaster. So you know, when you go on a roller coaster, it's only the first hill that gives you all the momentum for the rest of the ride. You actually are slowing down for the right. rest of the ride on a roller coaster. And the only way to make it more thrilling is to add more, you know, bumps and, and turns and stuff like that in order to, to kind of hide the fact that you're slowing down as you approach the final part of the ride. And so what happens with found footage films is that, you know, they peak, and this movie peaks with this one scene, which is very good, very scary. My, I had a little bit of, uh, you know, goosebumps, you know, the hair rose <laughs> on my arms and stuff, which is great. And then this is the scene I shouldn't see. Is it? I don't know. Okay, watch right. if you want it. It's up to you. Um, no, well, Nina said there was. Oh, you don't want. I think she just means it's very scary, she's, and you just right. you'll dwell in it. She's correct. <laughs> and so, but after that, every other scary scene is not as scary as that. And so they just make them scarier by kind of rushing them. So rather than have atmosphere, they just start making it go faster. And so, like, so as the characters are like you know, mutinying against the, the guy in the command tent who wants to keep going because he wants to get this, the, the views. And so he's unconcerned about whatever they're, whatever's happening to them. In fact, he's like purposefully hiding things, you know, from them, like that are obviously things that changed or stuff that's scared, you know, that they should know about. And finally he just gets frustrated. And so he just goes to the place himself. Well, it's done so quickly and he faces no challenge and no barriers or nothing. He just like pretty much like zooms through the place and gets to like the the bad room. And then and then it's just like uh, just like straight out of uh, every other Asian horror film. Ghost shows up and then you're like, well, okay, that was that was fine, I guess. Kind of a letdown ending. Like to me, really, like I'll still like uh, promote the taking of Deborah Logan, which I think is the it's to me the best found footage film I've seen. In the in the sense that it's still able, even though it's has this limitation of you're only seeing what they're filming, and in this case they're doing a documentary about Alzheimer's, and so they have this woman that they're you know using as as their subject of the documentary. But wait, is she actually have Alzheimer's, or what's going on? This is weird, right. and you know, and and so, but it actually they keep ratcheting it up, ratcheting up the danger to the other people to the participants in this film the people making it and whatever and then also uh the scariness of it starts to, it's you know and so at the end of the film is the scariest part of the movie and it also has the big twist the reveal and stuff like that you know so it's perfectly timed to 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 you know so when the movies should be climaxing there is the actual climax and it's not just fast cutting like in Blair Witch Project where they go so quickly through the house that you barely see the children's handprints on the walls. Mm-hmm. And when they get to the basement, the movie ends. And you weren't scared at all because it goes by so fast, there's no time for you to be scared because it's just a breakneck pace. So, you know, sure, you're like, oh, they're running very quickly to their, their doom, but they're going so quickly that I really don't feel that scared because it's just happening so fast that my mind is not, you know, isn't really mm-hmm. thinking about it. It's just like running down the stairs into the basement. Oh, we're not, we're dead now. Camera falls over, movie over. And, you know, once you do that, it just breaks. It just, it's not scary. Because me, scariness is about tempo, slow it down, create, create mood, let the person's mind create the scariness. Mm-hmm. That's, what you're thinking in your head is way scarier than they could ever show you in a movie. 
you know, as soon as they show you a ghost, unless you have like dumb ghosts that can like kill you, but that's not what ghosts are. Ghosts are the spectral visitors, right? You know, and why that's scary, I don't know, but that's scary. And so then when you see the ghosts, you're like, okay, they're ghosts. Yeah, I get it. That's fine. You just can't show that though. You have to like create the idea of them, you know, create the spookiness of them. You know, like they're scary in the, the sixth sense because they're threatening to the boy. And that's who you are. He's reacting as a kid. He's reacting as a kid. And that's who you are. Yeah. That's who you are most interested in and, mo- and have the most sympathy for. Yeah. The, the, one of the scenes that really works in Sixth Sense is where he's peeing. And the, the, the person walks by. Yeah. Yeah. Which it, logically you, you, go, you go, well, it, the ghost can't be trying to scare him. Yeah. Because he's there. Yeah. 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 Like, but yeah, it's what you. But now you know they're waiting for him somewhere. Well, that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, you're, you're scared of ghosts. <laughs> And like you got, I better shut the door. Why? Because there could be a ghost behind me. You know, just like and you're at, and there's no more vulnerable time yeah. than when you're peeing. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just like, Wah! yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. See, the, the scary thing that um, Gonjam does effectively is one of one of the things I think is most scary in a film, which is to not show a person's face. Mm. So just have a person standing away from the camera and not looking, in, you know, so you can't see what they look like, and then you slowly, you know have the camera track towards them very slowly or have the person approaching them saying, are you okay? Da, 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 da. Is everything all right? Da, da, you know, cause then, you know, it's not going to be good. <laughs> have, have you ever like uh, thought like, uh, you know, uh, you know what? Someone must've made a horror movie about this. Like it must be like, I, I there's a concept I have that's like, so like this must've been done. Mm. This must be like a movie probably from Asia. There must be. It must have already been done. Like, sure. And there's, sometimes I like start to write down something. I'm like, well, it's been done. It's got to have been done. And, and, and my, that my, shouldn't matter, though, because that'd be like saying about vampire films that everyone's done. Like, people yeah, done but this one, films. okay. So the idea behind this one was, uh, you know uh, Dementia Villages, right? Or do you know Dementia no, Villages? Know. Dementia Villages are um, uh, little neighborhoods that are uh, not real neighborhoods. And it's for people who are dementia patients. Okay. And so uh, they get to uh, when they get to you know have their own rooms, and then they get up and they have like a supermarket where there's food and they can like uh, shop for food. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what they do if they pay for the food or not because you know who cares. <laughs> and there's like a little bus that comes and picks them up like up front, and you know it's all these things uh, to convince them that they are. Uh, still kind of in functioning in the world and mm. it just keeps everyone calm and happy and they get to go through the routines but it's all just because they're all dementia patients yeah, with yeah, dementia yeah and this is something that's real mm. and i thought like oh like i thought oh that's very sweet and horrifying <laughs> and like what if something happens in this yeah and like you start to realize this world that you're in something's really wrong here what is it mm. and then probably the reveal then is you've got dementia and so this world isn't real you're correct all the paranoid feelings that you've got in in you are right yeah but it's all for your own protection so it's this constant blend of like you know uh you knowing things are wrong but people are trying to comfort you and then there's something wrong with the other people that you know but you don't quite get what's wrong with the other people you know and yeah it's just like the more reveals and reveals and you could do a supernatural element to it yeah. or everything could just be within the confines of that as you that person, realize yeah. Yeah. oh i'm losing my mind mm. you mm. know 
uh, which is is that more horrifying than anything supernatural yeah, or, yeah. or what yeah. have you yeah and I'm like someone's got to have made that movie there's no I way well, that not, these things exist yeah, yeah. and someone hasn't made a movie about this but I don't I think they're pretty relatively new as a as a as a treatment for dementia patients so Mm. I've never, I've never heard of one like yeah. that. It just feels like I mean, such the, an obvious yeah. uh, idea. The closest one I can think of is like Shutter Island, where you have a character who is, who is, uh, has you know, is insane, I guess, or has you know, mm-hmm. problem issues, and you know, so he's seeing uh, his own reality on top of reality, you know. Yeah. And so, but I can't really think of anything else that's because uh, you would also in this thing, you know, occasionally see people just completely break character. Mm. Because, you know, they're the person who works at the supermarket. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they're not really. They're really a nurse. Yeah, yeah. So at one point, you just see them with, like, a needle giving uh, someone a shot. Yeah. And, like, what's that about? Why are they taking their blood? Mm. That's the guy that works at the grocery store. Yeah. What's he doing? You know? Yeah, it's like a Jacob's Ladder kind of thing. where, But with no you, supernatural element to it. Yeah. But supernat- the only supernatural elements in Jacob's Ladder is what he a- applies to the world, right? Right. So if you... If you if you don't know what that person's doing, taking blood from someone, they become much more, uh, become almost like a supernatural, yeah. scary thing, right? To someone who doesn't understand what what they're seeing, so they can interpret it in a way that makes it much scarier than it actually is. Mm-hmm. You know, it would also be a fairly easy thing. No, it's, nothing's ever easy to shoot, <laughs> but it would be fairly easy to shoot because it would have to be a very limited location. Like you'd sure, have to yeah. just be going to the same spaces yeah, and using yeah, yeah. the same bus all over again, and yeah. you almost get. Uh, you know, a Groundhog Day situation. Yeah. You should write it because that would make horror. I'm writing a horror thing right now, anyway. So anyway, okay, just, <laughs> I'm also throwing that out there as in, like, has this been done? If anyone knows if it's been done, let me know. You just have to be careful. Like, uh, it's kind of. I always often think about John Wyndham writing this book called Web, and uh, he wrote it and thought it was terrifying, but because he he was scared of spiders, mm. and so to him the idea of like sm- and, and like an intelligent sp- species of spiders leaving an island by making parachute webs was so terrifying to him. And, but to his publisher, they're just kind of like, it's fine. It's not, that, it's not really that scary, John. But he's just like, oh, I don't think people could take this. You know, I, don't, I can add anything more to it to make it you know, more scary. But they're kind of, okay, sure, what do you say? <laughs> There's a bit of me that thinks then is like, look up, like, how many people are scared of spiders? How many people have arachnophobia? Okay, how many people? How many of those people buy books? But would they buy a book about a spider thing that's scary? Now they probably wouldn't because they're scared of spiders. So they don't want to read this book about the scary spider. Oh, that's mm. fine. The publisher was correct. Publisher was correct. There we are. <laughs> I finally watched the, the second, or the, the, I don't know if it's the first film, but a film by the brothers who, who made, uh, or not brothers, but by the team that made um, The Endless, the movie I talked about where the two guys returned to the, the UFO death call okay, they were part yeah. of. And in that movie, there's a scene that references characters from an earlier film they did called Resolution. And so I finally watched that film. And I have to say, it's not quite as good as The Endless, I think, because they're limited by budget. You right. know, like they have a budget, it's very small. And so you're kind of limited. They, there's obviously, like at the end of the film, they obviously see something, but we don't see it in any way at all. Maybe but maybe a shadow, shadowy form, but we don't know what it is or anything. And and you're kind of like, well, I don't know if that really works because you, you have to like have something to like show us what's happening. We don't really know what's happening. And you just kind of leave it hanging there like as a question. And maybe they felt the same way and they, maybe, maybe they tried to answer it with the endless. I'll have to give that movie another watch. They have another film called Spring on Tubi, which I want to watch as well. Cool. Yeah. I think, uh, I think a TV show that I wrote on is on Tubi. Oh. But it might just be in the States. Okay. 
um, which was a there was an animated series I worked on for a couple of months called Pirate Express. I don't endorse it, um, <laughs> but I but I worked on it. Okay. And then in Canada, like I, I, so, you know, I worked really hard on this stupid thing mm. for a very long period of time. And then um, you know, I was like, oh, uh, looking forward to actually seeing how this all turns out. And then it was on for one day in Canada, and that okay. was it. <laughs> one God. day. They showed like three of them, and I think that like was enough to get their whatever grant or oh, okay, some, some stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it, it felt like this was this all like a tax thing yeah. or whatever. Was this just a make work project? Because I actually cared about the, you know, and so it kind of bugged me that that was the case. But mm. it looks like it might be on Tubi. And it was a show called Pirate Express, and right. the idea was it was Poseidon's son who's being punished by Poseidon. And so he has to like work on this pirate ship. I don't know. And uh, they have wacky adventures. It's not great. But it's uh, there's some fun animation. It's not. You don't have to see it. Um, but I, I worked on that for months. And uh, uh, made me a little bitter later. That it was like, one day! Okay. <laughs> there's, a, there's a film called The Snake Pit. It's not a horror film. But it's sort of a horror film. It's about a woman who has a nervous breakdown or has a mental breakdown. It ends up in a... In an asylum, but what's interesting about that film is it's totally, and it's totally untrustworthy. Okay. What's the the narrative of the of the film? Olivia because, de Havilland. Yes, because you're seeing it through her point of view, yep. and so she's not always seeing the reality. Yeah. And so it's it's and it's very expressionistic as well, and like some of the filming of the what's happening in the asylum. There's a part in the film where. She ends up sinking to the very lowest depths of the asylum, like to the the seventh circle of hell, okay. basically. And uh, and it's just the character, all these women just walking in circle, like in a circle, Ooh. in a spiral. And it's just very really interesting as a as a symbolic uh, idea of like of where you're just stuck in this place that yeah. you can't you can't you can't think your way out of you can't hope your way out of. There's nothing you can do. Just well, the, the way you get out of hell is to go to the bottom. And- <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the exit is there it's the worst you know yeah i guess it's an, it's an interesting film but it's like spoilers, that is an ex- spoilers for uh you know Par- not paradise lost spoilers for dante's and Bruno. as it as a expression of like on the unreliable narrator which i think would be interesting with the film you're talking about with the dementia patients is that idea of the unreliable narrator and also the fact that you could have like time dilation in it as well like the things like jumps in time because there's stuff that is happening they're not aware of. Yeah. And so things can change quite quickly and they don't know why or what's happening, you know. It would be interesting in that kind of thing if you were doing that where you have a scene that you think is a flashback. Yeah. And it's got the character in it. Mm-hmm. And then the character just like knows that they're in the present. Yeah, yeah. It's like, wait a minute. And it's like, wait, I thought, because again, you're going with the unreliable yeah, yeah, narrator. Yeah, yeah. It's like, the device of a mystery is flashbacks are used. Mm-hmm. This wasn't a flashback. Yeah. This is just, you know, <laughs> their memory like messing up. Like, yeah, oh yeah. shit, okay, yeah. so wait. All the context that I have brought to this film is not uh, reliable either. Okay. Yeah, although, although I liked Annihilation a lot, it really bothered me that they have, they started the movie with them walking into the, whatever they call the place where the, the alien area and um, the glimmer, whatever it's called. And then they go into it and then they, they wake up and time has passed and they don't know what, where they, what happened, like what, what they did or anything like that. It only happens once though. And I was, it's mm. so frustrating to me. Like, why would you just do that over and over again? Because it's so disorienting to the audience and such a good way to transition into, ver- into, eat, into various segments is to okay. have them like, you know, just keep like having time pass and they don't know what, happened or what they did or what you know like that's it's so disorienting and i, I just thought it's like oh you missed a you missed a trick movie <laughs> missed a trick but anyway i think you want to oh, speaking of tricks 
Yeah. I think no, we tricked we're... some people into writing to us this week. Yeah, we did. Last week, we asked a couple of things like, what's a fun story about one of your pets? Uh, do you live in the city or the country? What's something you appreciate about living there? And we got a couple of letters here. One from our good friend Louise, who writes, I'm sorry to hear that Lisa and Dave had to say goodbye to Al last week. Mm, Growing you. up, we didn't have a dog or cat, so I never experienced that kind of loss. We just had an aquarium with inhabitants of varying lifespans. Mm. My brother's fish was a uh, gourami. All right. I think he named it after himself. After <laughs> Oh, that's a it's tough a weird, one. It's, it's a uh, weird one. Yeah. <laughs> When you have to run in and go to your brother's name, Buzz dead! And it's like, what? I mean, the fish of the same name. After it died, it was buried in a flower bed. For many springs after that, a daffodil would pop up over the same spot and be the first one of the season to bloom. We called it Mike the Daffodil. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's appropriate that uh, Dave read Jane Eyre on his way to Belgium to visit the Hergé Museum, dedicated to an artist he is passionate about. Charlotte Bronte uh, went there to study French, and developed passionate feelings for her married professor oh. by the name of Hager. Hmm. Uh, some characters and plot points in Jane Eyre were inspired by Bronte's own tragic uh, family background and life experiences, mm -hmm. so it wasn't all made up. Mm -hmm. Her mother died when she was five. She lost two older sisters to tuberculosis wow. at a charity boarding school. She worked as a governess and teacher. She fell in love with an unattainable older man. <laughs> she had a dissipated brother who abused alcohol and opium. She cared for her father when he went blind and needed cataract surgery. She turned down marriage proposals from clergymen until she didn't, and then she is thought to have died from pregnancy complications. Oh, no. Her book uh, had its detractors on moral grounds, but it was popular in her lifetime. I think she was like the Stephanie Meyer of her day, <laughs> writing a fantasy about a nerdy girl taming a rich guy with a beastly side. That is a lot of good information. Thank you, Louise. Yes, thanks for that. Edward Dragansky writes, Oh, righteous sneaky dudes of the dragon. <laughs> I neglected to mention my favorite style of dwelling last week. That was from a previous uh, question. Can I just interrupt just to say thank you to Ed for writing? He wrote to me uh, just a direct message uh, just saying, sorry about to hear about Al. Oh, nice. So thank you for that, Ed. I appreciate that. Oh, that's great. Thanks. Thanks for, yes. Uh, I neglected to mention my favorite style of dwelling last week. Must have been in a hot-ass hurry to watch the series finale of Picard, which was great. Uh, yeah, I agree. It was fun. Uh, I have to agree uh, with Lisa that the mid-modern, uh, mo mid-century modern homes really do fascinate me. There are older parts of Dallas that have them, built in the 50s or early 60s. I worked one college summer for a designer who had the coolest home design. It had long hallways and spacious rooms built off it with lots of odd nooks like booths and seating areas. It wasn't until 12 years ago I visited my creative director's home, which was also an MCM home, and naturally I fell in love with it also. I never miss a get-together at his place. A cousin of mine used to work for, Frank Lloyd, for the Frank Lloyd Wright tour in Chicago, and she offered me a free tour if I was visiting. But that boat has sailed. She has retired now. Aww. Speaking of superheroes who are jerks, were we? Fair enough. Do you remember... Alan Moore's Miracle Man, originally Marvel Man. I think he's Marvel Man again now. Uh, Ian, back me up on this. That guy was like a narcissistic. Oh, sure, sure. You know who? You know uh, Miracle it... Man, right? Yeah, well, Alan Miracle Moore. Man, uh... I thought it was more the villain in the in the story that was the the real monster. Uh, he kind of took over the world. Then afterwards, it kind of was projecting. Miracle Man did. Yeah, I may not have read as far as some, I don't think I got to the current stories. And I think some of the I feel bad because I'm friends with uh, Mark Buckingham, uh, the artist currently on 
the, uh, the the book and who's done some of the past stories as well as a swell egg and I really should know how many he did anyway Ian back one thing I do oh I'm gonna read this first because I might be doing yeah, the thing yeah. where I say a fact and then the person <laughs> says a fact and I feel bad okay. Ian back me up on this I'm going to the guy was like a narcissistic version of Captain Marvel who killed everyone around him with his atomic energy instead of Shazam he yelled Kimota which was atomic spelled backwards. And the blast obliterated everything and everyone around him. Then, of course, there's also the Alan Moore character from Watchmen, the comedian. Moore should, sure could write them. Well, he sure could adapt them. Because, yes, uh, Marvel Man was like an actual Captain Marvel kind of ripoff character. And there's a couple of Captain Marvel ripoff characters, but yes, indeed. I remember, like, uh, I think working in a comic book store, and there was one issue where someone gave birth, and it was a very graphic uh depiction of birth and we couldn't uh, uh, sell that by, to uh, by Rick Veach. yeah that's right uh, but yeah it's very good and they brought marvel now has the rights to it uh uh you know and uh, how's alan moore feel about that mm. uh, <laughs> he's super pleased yeah uh, but yeah, it's uh, from what I've seen, the new stuff and they're reprinting like some old stuff in there as well is uh, is, is quite good. Um, and yeah, the comedian, of course, was based on the character Peacemaker from the old uh, Charlton uh, okay. line. Hmm. Uh, you, you knew about this, that all the characters from the Watchmen are all Charlton characters? Yeah, this yeah. analogs. Yeah, yeah so uh, the comedian was uh, Peacemaker, who of course now... Uh, people know from the James Gunn movie Suicide Squad and the television series. Um, I'm glad... But you... he sort of changed the characters as well when he adapted oh, them. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, his original presentation or pitch to, to DC was to use those Charlton characters, but also to kill them. Mm-hmm. DC was like, uh, no. <laughs> so. Not realizing that, you, you know, you can just bring them back. Yeah. Because we're going to have a crisis and we can just bring the characters we want back. In anyway. fact, to the point where they've now brought those characters into the DC universe as well. Like the Blue uh, Beetle and... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but no, uh, like, uh, Dr. Manhattan is back and has, like, fought Superman. Oh, Dr. Manhattan, yeah. the Watchmen character. Yeah, uh, yeah boof, exactly. See why Ellen I don't, I don't like the idea of before Watchmen either. I don't like any of that stuff. But I did like the Watchmen HBO series. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very good, but yeah, I don't. I don't it really was, know. It was good. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if it should be. But <laughs> yeah, because of Alan Moore's objections to it existing. Because yeah, because it's because mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, ripped him off on the contract situation. Oh, I didn't know that they ripped. Yeah, him the off. contract situation was. Uh, I'm trying to get it specific. Trying to be specific here, mm-hmm. uh, but it was Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons would get the rights back. Once it went out of print, <laughs> and that was the idea. Yeah. And every DC book went out of print within a very limited amount of time at the time. So I went, oh, okay. So I'm waiting what, like five years, and then we get the rights back. That's every other book. Okay, sounds good. Signed contract. We're never going to put it out of print, so you never get the rights back. Huh. So he had a good faith, uh, you know, yeah, understanding, understanding was, with yeah. them, and then uh, they uh, did not do the thing that they did. Oh, you're saying they, a corporation fucked him over? Yeah, and if we think it was Weird. DC, which you know uh, were the you know the uh, people behind Superman, which is really strange because that relationship with those creators was great. <laughs> you know what? Actually, there's things to be said about that as well. Um, it seemed like a good deal to them at the time. It wasn't. It wasn't a good deal, and they sold yeah. the rights to Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, what's it going to be? What's going to happen? What could possibly happen with a Superman character? Whoops. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'm glad you guys are watching Ted Lasso. 
I thought I wouldn't like it. Soccer, England. Ooh. Uh, it grew on me fast now. I recommend it to everyone. Uh, I think it's doing for Jason Sudeikis what Breaking Bad did for Brian Cranston. Agreed. Hmm. Here's a weird thing. Like uh, I saw like a review this this week, and I agreed with it. I'm, I'm agreeing with a comment that someone said, but they said it first. Okay. Which was that uh, you know oh the show because they were doing stuff about soccer this week. I went oh it finally remembered it's a show about soccer, <laughs> and it's like and the person's response was yeah it's a show about soccer like The Office. Is about selling paper. <laughs> uh, funny Touché. story about my male, late male cat, Mr. Jinx. Oh. Well, first of all, I've heard he hates Mises to pieces. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, I let him out back one night, and I thought I'd uh, let him back inside before bed. The next day, workers showed up early to work on my patio uh, pergola. Pergola? Pergola. Uh, for the most of the day with the gate wide open. When I realized Mr. Jinx wasn't inside and probably ran off because of the workers, I walked the neighborhood for hours looking for him. Mm. I was ready to return home and print flyers up when I saw the tip of a furry tail from underneath the grill and cover. It was Mr. Jinx. He had hid under the grill all afternoon waiting for the workers to leave. <laughs> he had every chance to run off, but uh, never to be seen again. But he stayed in the yard, just hidden from the workers in the yard. Mr. Jinx slowly crawled out, meowing at me as if to be scolding me. I scooped him up, ran inside, and was so relieved, even though he was most likely mad at me. He got over it, but I knew then that Mr. Jinx would never leave the confines of home, even given the chance. Huh. I've only ever lived in suburbia, and I guess it fits me uh, since I, I like running quick errands daily to close places. It's always been my way of life, so I have nothing to compare it to. Love from all, to all from suburbia. Until next week. Thank you, Ed. Good on Mr. Jinx. Um, I'm glad no one did a barbecue. Oof, disturbing. Uh, Lisa. <laughs> he was under it. He would just would have got the, the drip, drippings. He would have enjoyed true. that. Oh, yeah. It would. Um, <laughs> Lisa, the co-host of Horse Mysteries. Horse Mysteries coming back next week, everyone. There you go. You can hear it coming. Um, there, you can have that as the theme song. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, you're out. Yep. Done. Take all your talent and hit the skids. <laughs> Uh, question number one. Mm. Prior to meeting Dave, most guys I went out with were not fans of horses. Mm. Maybe Dave wasn't a fan either, but a better actor than I realized. What? Where did, did you like horses? Do I like horses? Yeah, I do uh, like did horses. Did you then? No, I didn't. I mean, I rode horses. I did a couple times. Like I went, rode them as a Cub Scout and then went to a friend as a birthday party. Like as a birthday treat, we got to go on a, like a dude, dude ranch riding sort of yeah. thing. So yeah, but they were... They were scary when I first saw them, like with sure. Lisa. Because it was a different situation. And they just seemed big and kind of imposing. But uh, no, my love for Lisa will always outweigh my... I mean, you cannot possibly like horses as much as Lisa, by the way. So what might seem like to, like like I have an affection for them cannot possibly measure up to how she feels about horses. That would, This is impossible. All right. So yeah, I do like them. She knows how much I like Harris. Regardless. What is she talking about? The previous guys I went out with were neither horse lovers nor good actors. <laughs> One in particular was always complaining that my horse would bite him or step on his feet. That means they like you. I was dubious about his claim, as my horse had never bit anyone before. One day, I was at a horse show, and this boyfriend was holding my horse. I had to go to the show office, so said boyfriend was holding the horse. As I came around the corner, I could see that my boyfriend holding the horse was talking to someone. The horse was standing stock still. With that, I saw his ear flick towards my boyfriend, 
who was this time in deep in conversation and oblivious to the horse. With that, the horse, in a move I have never witnessed since, keeping his body perfectly still, picked up his foot closest to the boyfriend, moved it laterally almost a meter, and stepped up firmly on the boyfriend's foot, all while maintaining a perfectly calm and innocent demeanor. <laughs> Another story, this one about Al. One day I was out, but Dave was at home in the house. Somehow uh, all, Al got out and was apparently wandering in the cul-de-sac. Dave, from inside the house, was made aware of this fact when he heard the following conversation. Man, is that your dog? Neighbor. No, that's Al. <laughs> as, that, as though that completely explained it. Mm-hmm. Question number two. Do I live in the city or the country? I wish. I live in neither. We are in the suburbs. However, uh, while some of the suburbs around Vancouver are just wall-to-wall housing and business, etc., where we are does have some farmland around it. So that is fortunate for me, as we live in a little town with most of the things we need, but it's just a 10-minute drive for me to get to the farm my horses live on. So that's good. Mm -hmm. There we go. If you want to hear Lisa talk more about horses in one week's time, uh, check out um, season three of Horse Mysteries. And mm. in the meantime, if you haven't heard the previous two seasons, they are available on SneakyDragon.com. Go check them out. Uh, do you have a question for this week, my friend? I have some. Yeah, I do have a few emails to read, actually. Oh, you got one, emails first. Sorry. One I, one I missed last week. Oh, all right. Uh, it is uh, was from Brent Tannehill. And he wrote to say that he loved the Tripods trilogy by John Christopher that Dave uh, meant, uh, talked about. And then he said, recently I reread Maze Runner, which I really li- really loved. Okay. Though I haven't read a lot of science fiction. I've listened to all the episodes of X-1 and Dimension X. And for fans of science fiction, I'd recommend those old radio shows. And yes, they're both very good. I'm a fan of, particularly X-1, I think is really good. Um, and then, guess what? What's that? Brent wrote again. What? <laughs> and he said, uh, question of the week. I live in the country. I like it a lot. There's no traffic to speak of. It's quiet. There's lots of places to go hiking. (laughs) Everywhere I go, I see people I know. We cut firewood in the forest, so heating our house is essentially free. We gather mushrooms in spring and fall. But once winter comes, it's a whole new ballgame. With five months of unending snow, it gets a little bit dull. That's when I head to Mexico and live in a big city. So I guess the real answer to the question is, I live in both the country and the city. Thank There's a, a couple things about that uh, letter. I don't have it in front of me. Mm. But like, it so almost rhymes off the top a couple of times and it's driving me bananas. It's so <laughs> close to rhyming. And there's like these internal rhymes that happen there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, just give that to me. Just give that to me and I'll, and I'll, and I'll fix it up so it's a nice rhyming story. I live in the country and I like it a lot. Something, something, something. And then there's something that's like uh, uh, almost rhyming. Everywhere word. I go, there's people I know. No, there was something else that was there. What's the very first sentence? Hit me one more time. I live in the country. country. I like it a lot. There we go. There's no traffic to speak of. It's quiet. Oh, there's, it, lots there's no of traffic places. to speak of. It's quiet. <laughs> okay, you're stretching there. You're, I am, you rhyme I am, there, I, am. I think. Okay, but go yes, ahead. Okay. Yeah, and then it, 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 there's this internal rhymes that happen throughout. There's lots of places to go hiking. Everywhere I go, I see people I know. Yes, it's just like it's just like it's a poem that's like just begging to get out of this letter, but that's fine. That's just that's just me. It's still a poem. Yeah, you can have internal rhymes in a poem. Chris, write a song out of this. Make a song. <laughs> all right, get it's on. All it. fine. It's all, all fine. Right. And then Laurel wrote. Oh, nice. All right. Laurel wrote to say her subject is deepest condolences. Okay. Oh my goodness, gentlemen. 
My tear ducts are completely cleaned out following a listen to episode 594. So much sorrow. Thank you, David, for sharing this grief with us and for reading your lovely Lisa's post. It really is a grand tribute to your L. There are no words to say that will help you remove the grief, but we do all care and we do understand and we weep with you as Ian did. Yes, uh, interesting this week. Coming home, I get home and my first thought every time was, well, I better get in the house to let Elle out to get get some food for Elle. And of course, that's not going to happen, but yeah. It's funny how your habits... Oh, absolutely. That's going to be the case for quite a while. Laurel goes on to say, I know a woman who had one cat, and of course, eventually that cat got sick and did die. She told me she would never have another because it hurt so much. I get that, but I can't imagine not having a cat or two or a dog or two or whatever, or whatever pet. Hurts like hell when we lose them. It's true. But so much loving joy quiet closeness and silly fun for the time we have speaking of silly fun this is an answer for question one one of my cats a black caramel and white tabby named etta has a very ugly favorite toy it's supposed to be a tan mouse i guess it had been pretty beat up by past house cats when etta inherited it but she cares not a whit that its fur is all matted and the threads that were once eyes now shoot out from this thing's face like weird brown lasers So most every morning, she runs up the spiral staircase with a call of prrrp, beckoning me to toss her the toy, which I do. My husband says I am very well trained. Etta, laying out on a middle step, nabs the toy midair, reels it in for a few healthy chews, and kicks and then flings it back at me. We do this over and over many times. Sometimes she'll be lazy and just whap it with a paw so it sails across the room (laughs) for me to fetch. Smiley face. We live out in the country here in the Blue Ridge foothills west of west, in western northern bubblegum bubblegum. Let me say this again. <laughs> we live out in the country here in the Blue Ridge foothills of western North Carolina. I have written about it a little before. Thirty-two acres, twenty of it wooded with trails we've cut through. There is a lovely little rocky creek that winds through the low part of the property just below the house. This is not a fancy place but full of flowers and fruit trees, blueberries, grapes, and a vegetable garden we plant every year. We have a trampoline for the grandkids and a pool for all of us. The positive of all this, it's beautiful to our eyes and it's very private. The downside, it is not convenient to get anywhere. Because we are in a mountainous area, all the roads to the highway are winding and slow, and it's generally about a half hour to get anywhere. Sometimes I just long for flat, straight roads. But if you ever are wanting to visit, you are welcome. Take good care and have a good healing week, Laurel. And then she has a P.S. If Chris Roberts is listening, Chris, are you listening? <laughs> if Chris Roberts is listening, I am hoping he can let us all know if their very special daffodil bloomed again this year. Ah. I have tried to recall the name. I feel like it is Star James something. Thanks. Well, Chris, let us know. There we go. We've gotten uh, we've gotten two named daffodils yes, mentioned that's in right. this episode. Yes, Star James and uh, Mike. Mike the Daffodil. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And do I have a question? Mike, Mike T. Daffodil. Oops, sorry. Mike okay. T. Daffodil. <laughs> uh, do you have a question for this week? I do. Um, uh, what? Maybe maybe we've asked this uh, already, and you tell me. Because we were talking about food and food we had as kids. And okay. Food. okay. Is there a food that uh, you despised as a kid that you've come around on? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. 
like for me, tomatoes. That'd oh, be I my see. example. Okay. Just like when I was a kid, bleh, nothing. <laughs> Salads are garbage. Tomatoes are garbage. And now I'm making tomato sandwiches. Yeah, in yeah. fact, I sent you an email of the... Uh, um, oh, the recipe? Uh, the, 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 the uh, yeah. Uh, what's it? Uh, sandwiches of History, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Oh, the, that one. Okay, cool. Um, okay, my question is, um, have you ever had a person come into your life for a moment, so for a brief time, have a huge impact and then leave never to be seen again? I was kind of, uh, Lisa and I were talking the night, and I, I suddenly said, I wonder if that Asian girl that I walked through Brussels, through uh, Ghent with, ever goes, ever thinks about me, because I do think about her sometimes, because we had a bit of an adventure together. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wonder if she kind of thinks, oh, that person that I knew so briefly that we talked about so much for so, for so many minutes, like we worked together for about 40 she's minutes. she's got no idea that she was on a uh, podcast. Yeah, <laughs> she has no idea. That she was talked about. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so if you have an answer to that, please answer in the following ways. You can go to our website. It's called sneakydragon.com. There you'll find this episode, and underneath it, you'll find a place to leave comments. Good comments, like the kind we get from Louise, Ed, and Lisa. But please add your name to that, such as Chris, who will be writing in about daffodils. Um, or, hey, we have an email address as well. It's called, it is, not called, it's not named. We don't name it, but it is sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. We're on Facebook at Sneaky Dragon. We're on Twitter at Sneaky underscore Dragon. And we are on Patreon, where you may help support the show. And we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I had to do my taxes this year, so I know how much it costs to do this show. <laughs> 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 so uh, any help is appreciated, everyone. Um, so with that being said, Ian, do you have anything to add before we leave? I, guess I was trying to think of like who are the people that came into my life and left quick. Uh, there's a two comedians from Australia called uh, uh, Stacy and Lucy. Okay. Who uh, used to, ironically, uh, used to go under the names Fatty and Pinhead. Oh. Yeah, which both sound now like uh, Bly, Bly, uh, Enid uh, Bly characters. <laughs> Enid Blyton, yeah. Enid Blyton yeah. Anyway, so those are the people that influenced <laughs> me. And in unfortunately, uh, I had to leave the country. So they yeah. left the country. I have not seen them since, and hmm. I miss them. Oh. So that's it. Okay. I'm sure there's others, but it's mainly yeah. to think about. So everyone, sit on that and yeah, think about it. it. Sit on it, Rolf. Hey! <laughs> I just meant like, sit in it, I guess. Like, you know, think about it. Sit and spin. <laughs> sit in it and spin and think about it. And get back to us <laughs> next week with yeah. your answers. And we will mark them. We will grade them on a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. Where the scale is sliding to, I don't know. Ah, that's kind of scary, the idea of being like on a sliding scale. Oh. Ah. Ah. See you next week.